Wait, wait, there you go. Oh, oh, wait, great wait, preamble wait. gone, and now it's just going to be awkward. Oh, so. God. God damn it. <laughs> As I load up my audacity, I'm just going to like say what I'm doing on my computer to be preamble, because it's at least it's noise. It's real exciting, yeah. I'm pressing the red circle button, which <laughs> indicates recording. Does I it? Believe. Shit, I've been pushing the wrong button all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's that black square for? <laughs> it's, it's a good thing we've never needed my backup track. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm like, it's a really good thing that I've never needed your backup track, Tim. Uh, yikes. That's 165 times that we've done that now. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> plus some, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's been some bonus, some bonus episodes and like <laughs> other podcasts that we've done where you were there and like yep. waiting for your backup. <laughs> yep. Not good. Not good, boys. Yep. So I guess we should start now. All right. Uh, <laughs> we are. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Dance Robot Dance, episode 165. That is a big number. Uh, I didn't realize. Uh, this is Paul, and I've been away for a couple Yeah, we did weeks. like 30 episodes uh, while you're gone. That's why we're at that number now. You didn't notice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all Tim and I do when you're away. Is Constantly. Just record podcasts yeah. like night after night yeah. all the time. We miss yeah. you so much. We're lonely. We mm-hmm. just record podcasts. <laughs> Talking about yeah. how much and we miss Paul. time zones work differently in Australia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's yes. just like the fucking kangaroos make time upside down or something <laughs> in Australia. So That's racist. That a, wait, what? That's racist, what, what did I just, Yeah, that's, I think that's... That's something is anyway. Species is anyway. Against kangaroos. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz they're not people, right? Like you can't be racist against <laughs> Australians cuz they're just they're just like they're well, they're white people, so like they're like us, kind of. They're just crazier yeah. and with more things that can kill you. And their accent is yeah. That, and their accent that. is not silly. It's not silly. It's just an accent. And I swear to God, I didn't. I didn't make fun of them at all the entire time I was on that trip. And I feel like I'm a at least borderline regular human being, not a terrible person. <laughs> but I wanted to make that knifey spoony joke so many times. So maybe I am a terrible person. Are, did you not make the knifey spoony joke? Not to an Australian. <laughs> then why did you just fucking go to Australia? Uh, well. <laughs> The butt stuff, really. Oh, fair. Okay. Because <laughs> well, it's illegal in Korea and it's super legal Everybody in Australia. Everybody knows well, that Australia is known that. for its primo butt stuff. <laughs> buggery. Butt stuff. Yeah, they're buggery and stuff. Yeah, good times. <laughs> That's what it would be called on the books, right? In Australia, it would be buggery, probably. Yeah, buggery? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know something about wallaby. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, all right, all right. Gummy wallaby into the news because now I'm uncomfortable. Uh, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was in Australia for a week and I missed two episodes and now now here we are. So I'm joined by the usual motley crew. Say hi, Mark. Have nice enthusiasm. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back, Paul. I'm glad you're back. And say hello to him. We, we there love it is. him. Fuck on me, Wallaby. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, this is going right. to be one of those episodes, eh? Oh, yeah. It's about the only way oh. I'm going to get through this. All right. Yeah. So. That's the only way you're yeah. going to survive this, probably, is if I'm laughing. So, yeah, there's that, too. So there's there's news, but it, none of it is like <laughs> super exciting to me. So I guess we'll start with news that we all might be interested in. Tom Welling is joining the cast of Crisis on Infinite Earths. That I'm pumped for. Yeah, it seemed like I was never the biggest fan of Tom Welling's Clark Kent, but that's not really his fault. Um, no. It was really the writing of Smallville in general that 
no one should like. Smallville was three great seasons of TV spread over 10 seasons. Agreed. <laughs> that is actually an excellent description of that show. Yeah. Because, yeah. Which is, which is the way that all those um, DCCW series will end up being as well, right? They'll be like, yes. okay, there's 20% of this is great. And then the other, yeah. or like 20 to 30%. And then the other like 70 to 80% is filler. Yep. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, the only show that I can say that is not that is Legends of Tomorrow because they do such short it's, seasons that yeah. they don't really even get to the point where they have that much filler. And even it's then, more like 50, maybe, 50? yeah, yeah, 50, exactly. 50. Yeah. There's maybe like, yeah, maybe 60 40 split or something like that. Like there's yeah. 60% good stuff and 40% filler there too. Yeah. But they also have Mick and Constantine just constantly bitching at each other, which yeah. is way more entertaining than like any of the other cast bitching yeah. at each other. So, like, hmm. I always watch Legends. I don't know. It's cool, though. Erica Durant's coming back, too. So she we're getting is. like Lois and Clark, which is fucking super sweet. Because I always liked Erica Durant. I thought she was she's my favorite like TV or movie Lois Lane. Like she just has yeah. that sass down. I loved Erica Durant's as Lois. Yeah. So. She actually seemed like uh, like the intrepid imp- uh, reporter type as opposed yeah. to like, I don't know. Terry Hatcher was OK, but that was a different. Beast yeah, altogether. it was a different vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so. Yeah, but I, I, I might. Actually yeah, I'm pumped just this. to see Tom Welling finally get a chance to really d- hopefully don the tights like for a proper appearance rather than just yeah. like one minute at the end of fucking 10 seasons of TV kind of thing. It didn't even was, really like, show him in the much. costume properly. I still remember. Yeah, I still remember, like, I was like, man, 10 years, we're finally going to, just give me one beauty shot of him, like, standing on a mountain yeah. with an eagle or whatever, like, in the in the tights. And they didn't even do that. And I was like, man, I just wasted <laughs> 10 years of my fucking life watching this shit, and they didn't even show me him as Superman. But it like, was also, it was at a time sucks. when there wasn't as much to watch. So it was still, like, compared to everything no, else on true. TV, it was like, all right, this is what's here, and this is what's, you know, for me right now. But, <laughs> so... Yeah, every, yeah, we still fucking yeah. watched it. I mean, we had Supernatural at the same time too. So, like, I mean, because they were on the same network and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, we had Buffy at that time too. For well, a now Smallville, years. Smallville was post Buffy. No, um, it was there was they, a little bit overlap. It overlapped more with Angel than it did with Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say I would have yeah. thought it would have been more Angel than Buffy, but I guess Angel only lasted <laughs> a year longer than Buffy did. Really, yeah. anyway, when you yeah. actually look at it, because season five is the only one that aired outside of Buffy's run as well. So. True. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, that's really cool. I'm actually excited to see Tom Welling and Erica Durant like suit up and be those characters again, just because. I mean, at least the CW guys are super respectful of all this stuff, so it's not going to be like complete dog shit like Smallville will. They're going to bring them in and be like, "Hey, this is Superman and Lois Lane," and like do a Superman and Lois Lane bit, and then get them out of the way yeah. to service the rest of the story, and that's going to be great. Indeed. So. Yeah. All right. Next news item that I have. Oh, American <laughs> God season three is casting Marilyn Manson, I guess. Yeah. Did either of you guys oh. watch season two? No, I did not. Okay. I did. I don't know why I didn't yet. I it's just, such like, a visually interesting show yeah, that even like I just, just watching it just it. for the visuals. Like I, I wouldn't say season two is as compelling as season one, but it's still like just such a fucking pretty show to look at. That uh, I still I watched the whole thing and I would say I I still enjoyed it just not as much as the first season but it sounds like this is like a supporting role kind of you know not a main role for season three yeah, yeah. he'll be on okay. the ep- the show for four episodes a, a sizable chunk for someone who doesn't have like acting props too many yeah uh, except like credits. his whole fucking yeah. life mm-hmm. is an act 
Like his whole persona is a put on, right? Like this is a guy that acts anytime Ooh. he's in public in, you know, full makeup and everything. It's true. I've, I've, I've mean, legit forgotten what we were talking yeah. about at this point. Like my brain just went Marilyn Manson. <laughs> on oh, right. American right. Gods Marilyn Manson. <laughs> oh, on American Gods. Right. right, right. <laughs> How Marilyn much Manson. weed did you smoke while you were experiencing the meat of the episode? <laughs> uh, last night a lot, but like today, none. So there was that. Um, but no, I, I completely don't know why I just spaced out on that story. Because <laughs> that's how excited I am for Marilyn Manson showing up in another show. Remember when he showed up at the end of Californication? Tim watched Californication. Oh, yeah. Well, he showed up he as was, himself. Yes, but he was then, terrible. Yeah. Like, even as, as himself, he was fucking yeah. super awkward and awful yeah. in that show. So I was like, wow, don't do that again. But all right, I guess <laughs> that's... <laughs> Maybe he's improved since then. Because I think he was in he was in Sons of Anarchy yeah. as well as yeah. a drug dealer or something. He was terrible in that too. Like he's not a good actor, but, but in this, he's apparently yeah. playing a musician, uh, as part of like a death metal band that, uh, Wednesday, Mr. Wednesday grab pulls some of his power from. Mm, okay. So I, I mean, he's playing to type presumably in this. So yeah. hopefully Again, we'll he be... was, he was playing himself. Account. <laughs> True. And was really not very good at doing that. So I don't know if I don't tell you. Like, <laughs> I do got to get back to the show. I really like, I liked the first season a lot and I love this book. I just feel like it's getting spread out a little bit more than it really needs to, uh, the way they're doing the show. So once it gets kind of like, we have a conclusion and we're not just going to cancel this before you actually get to the end kind of thing. Yeah. Then I'll be a little bit more like, yeah, I'll sit down and watch it. But because right now they're just like, we're just doing seasons. And I'm like, of what exactly? Yeah. Because there's like, 600 pages to that book and i know you're adding stuff and like neil gaiman's helping you add stuff but like i don't think the story needs to have a ton of shit like that added to it so maybe just do the story and like get the fuck out of my way so either way fair yeah next news item is well the guy behind mr robot is bringing back battlestar galactica from what we've we know it's not going to be a continuation of ron moore's series it's still going to be within the universe and it's not a reboot either he said like don't we're not going to mess with perfection here wow perfection the end of that show (sighs) so sad first couple seasons though are pretty amazing yeah and still i'm still yeah yeah. as someone that is that is actively re-watching the first couple of seasons of battlestar galactica right now yeah it's it holds up really well for being a 15 year old show and it does not need a remake right now like, this is way too soon. Yeah, we're not sh- exactly sure what they mean by it's going to be within the mythology, but that's what the tweet said from Sam Esmails. Uh, so- this has happened before, and it will happen again, is what they mean by that, I think, is probably, yeah. like, because they Battlestar Galactica... There is that cyclical... Yeah, yeah, like, Battlestar Galactica, like, the one we all watched, like, in 2003, the Ron Moore one, like, that, that one was still, like, in the same universe and was a, like, another cycle of what happened in the original, which was apparently another cycle of what had happened before that kind of thing. Like it's all just Mm -hmm. the same thing. So I don't mind them rebooting this. I think they should just wait. I think six years, I think if they hit 2026 or something like that, they get to the point where they're exactly as far away from like, as the original series was to our reboot, like the Ronald D. Moore reboot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just do another reboot in 26 or in 2026. And it's exactly the same amount of time. And any of us who are bitching about it, thinking like, we don't need a reboot. You can tell them that like, it it was this amount of time between the other two reboots. Suck it. We're doing it. And they're like, all right, I'll watch it. (laughs) Well, and that'll be like, you know, there's definitely, yeah, we're, we're not a generation away Mm. from the first show yet. Like, I think that's sort of the dividing line. Like once you've got like, you know, people that are of appropriate viewing age for the show mm-hmm. that were not born when the original came out. Agreed. Then I think is when you can go back and do a remake. Yeah, they probably need another five five years until like they've got 
like yeah. a generation of people who never saw the original who are old enough to like yeah you need like some time. like late teens yeah you need some like late teens early 20s that like maybe are somewhat aware of the original but exactly you know, the same way we were be as engaged yeah, in yeah. It. exactly yeah. the same way we were i watched the original. i watched the original before i watched uh did you watch the whole show I, you know if you, i did oh, okay. holy shit it gets real shitty when you get to like galactica night or battlestar 1980 or galactica, galactica 1981 yeah yeah that holy shit that was terrible yeah i've seen bits and pieces of that stuff so i don't i, yeah. I there's know. like two solid seasons of tv in oh, there. okay yeah i've seen <laughs> bits and pieces of it and was not super impressed by like just like the overall aesthetic of it like it obviously looks like shit compared to like especially yeah. the 2003 show which i always thought was like production design within an inch of its life like i always thought that show had, like was yeah. super tightly produced yeah so yeah and holy fuck that goddamn daggett in the original oh yeah god that fucking monkey in a space dog yeah, robot suit jesus yeah. christ uh yeah. yeah but i i wonder if they're gonna bring any of the cast back from the 2003 version because like i love that cast so much i'm yeah. i miss like trisha helfer and lucy lawless on my tv screen and of course edward james almost and mary mcdonald were yeah. just like so perfect in their roles uh yeah we're, we'll see how that casting goes and like what this show actually becomes yeah. well they only brought the one guy that. back two guys back from the original they brought starbuck yeah they brought the starbuck uh, actor back because he was like yeah. he was on the show a as, lot uh, too because he was uh tom as tom tom oh fuck i can't even remember his name i just watched an episode that had him in yeah. it tom Sarek or something something like, like that. that yeah i can't remember what it was exactly but yeah he was in there and got brought back he was actually really good in that role too when they brought him back as like the the kind of scummy other uh other ma- or other president or whatever he was trying to be yeah, I, yeah. Exactly. I met that guy at because uh, he was uh, Richard Hatch. He was yes. at Dragon, a uh, pretty regular guest at DragonCon before he passed away a couple years yeah. ago. And I was I was behind Starbuck in a line at Starbucks <laughs> at DragonCon one year. And like, yeah, I remember the first time I just, you, told you know, me I just that. said like, yeah, I just said like, you know, thanks for all you've done. I love the original B- Battlestar, which was maybe a bit of a lie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, and I loved your work on the uh, on the reboot yeah. and everything and. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I remember you told me that, and I was like, "Wait, you met Katie Sackoff?" Because like, holy shit, that's awesome. Because Katie Sackoff's amazing. But there was like the old guy. And I was like, "Oh, that's still cool, I guess." But like, not Katie Sackoff cool. Because <laughs> holy shit, Katie Sackoff is amazing. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. They're gonna reboot it. They're gonna just man reboot's gonna reboot at this point. That's where we're at. You know, this shit's just gonna keep happening. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, this is for NBC streaming service. We'll see if that fucking thing even like all some of these streaming services are gonna start. Kicking before they really get off the ground and some shows yeah. are going to go with them so yeah i'm curious to see how, like what that process is going to be like the next year like especially right now disney looks like it's coming out swinging like yeah with a very low price it's going to take a some lot out. of big yeah. stuff it's gonna I, I think they're gunning for netflix like i really think they want to put netflix out of business yep in the first five years that they're running so <laughs> yeah. yeah and apple and yeah. all of the others and it will cbs be i mean It'll be the smaller ones that take the hit first. It'll be like shit mm-hmm. like CBS All Access and this fucking yep. Peacock and like, yeah, some of the other like more minor ones that will really. Apple uh, TV will probably go away yeah. pretty quick. I bet you you'll end up seeing, like, if I was like guessing right now, HBO, Disney, and like if Netflix can survive that first set of years, like those would be the big three that I think would hold out. And the maybe longest. Hulu, but who knows how long Hulu survives because it's also Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Like Hulu's Disney. So like they may just fold that in or like yeah. subfold it the way they've kind of got ESPN, like as a sub subscription, sub subscription they have already to Disney Plus. Like you can get yeah. them bundled in the States where you can get Disney Plus, ESPN and Hulu Plus all as one grouping for 15 bucks a month. I'm like, mm-hmm. if I was in the States, that'd be what I'd be signing up for right now. And I'd cancel fucking Netflix because 
whatever but the, man I saw. But then once. you wouldn't get great original content like Tall Girl or or Stranger Things season three that we got to sit through this year. Uh, <laughs> well, you know. Copper was a well-developed character, you assholes. I know, and no Daredevil, and no Daredevil, boys. (laughs) Not to harp on that again this week, but, you know, no Daredevil. So, in Be Careful What You Wish For news, we are getting a new movie based on a property that hasn't been touched before by movies. It's the Funko Pop movie. No, we're not talking about this. (laughs) Moving on. This is bullshit. It's going to go just as well as the goddamn Emoji movie did, which is not at all, and the end. I just don't understand why everybody (laughs) seems to think that they can Lego their franchise, even if it is something as stupid as Funko Pops, which are really dumb. And like, I have a couple, I have a bunch, like a lot. My sister collects them like a crazy person. Yeah. Paul's going to see one day when he gets to come home, he's going to see how my sister's gone. She showed me her very, her multiple Funko Pop display cases. Yes. Multiple. Walls of Funko Pops. They're going to be the next uh, Beanie Babies. Like, (laughs) oh yes, they already are. are Yeah. I had them order me three of the RuPaul's Drag Race Funko Pops because there is a RuPaul, a Trixie Mattel, and an Alaska Funko Pop. And I have, so I technically own three of them, but like. Those three are sitting with my Ghostbusters right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're working, they're working with my, the boys that the, like uh, Lee's and Greg bought me for my birthday. That is uh, yeah. frighteningly appropriate for Alaska. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. I have like there four or five of them and I've, I don't know that I've ever bought one, but people have bought them for me mm. as gifts like people have bought like i have a superman one and a firestorm yeah. one because i love like alicia got me one because she knows that firestorm is like one of my favorite characters and a groot and then a couple like off-brand ones that i've like won yeah. as prizes or like said been given as gifts but it's one of those things that are like yeah i know if i got into this it would just become obsessive so i already have one that and so fuck it yeah i just like i don't i don't care for the art style of them overall so like if they were like maybe more like action figurey i'd probably be like into it because i like action figure stuff when they look good but these things i'm like yeah giant head like the chibi thing like no i'm not really my style but yes they are super i don't know why they're making this movie this is what really gets me yeah we should get back to that why are they making why well because it's a recognizable brand and money and like I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, let's let's franchise everything. Like, let's turn this into, uh, I don't know. Like, are they going to do this with snack products, cleaning products? Like, this is. Hey, man, I would watch the Mr. Clean extended. Oh, I was universe. thinking <laughs> Mr. Clean too. Why was I, I think thinking the Mr. Clean? Because ex- we're both sick fucks, and we think we could break something good with Mr. Clean. We can't. You can't do it. I'm like you in your head, you're like, that's a character that exists that everybody fucking recognizes, right? <laughs> well, yeah. You can make a movie about Mr. Clean, uh, but what do you make him? You have to make him a serial killer or like an assassin. Uh, Mr. Clean Mr. versus Clean. the Toxic Avenger or something like that. Like, I've, there you go. I've, there you go. I've just made a billion Mr. Clean. Movie. There Mr. You Clean. Go. Versus oh, Pig Pen. Pig Pen, Pig <laughs> Pen is it. the Toxic That's Avengers sidekick. <laughs> Write it, send it to Netflix. They'll fucking make it. There you know what I mean? Done. We'll get a million dollars. We won't produce it even yeah. if only done. three people done. Done. Yeah, exactly. Get that Procter and Gamble way. money or something, or whoever makes Mr. Clean. I don't know. Hey man, it'd be a giant like what do you call it? Like product placement thing, right? Oh, they just have oh, you, yeah. just the entire episode or episode every episode of the show or whatever you do would just be like l- just lousy with Mr. Clean like 
yeah, Procter and Gamble products, I guess. Yeah, sure. Procter and Gamble. I don't Man, know. Man, we're really tangential. Clark, we're, we're one of those <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're really fucked up this week. Yeah. In news that only I care about, but actually has pop cultural significance, is. is that for the first time, for the first time in 22 <laughs> years, Ash Ketchum has finally won the Pokemon Championship. <laughs> for the first um, time in after- 22 years, 10-year-old Ash Ketchum <laughs> has won a fucking yes. Pokemon Championship League. <laughs> yeah, he uh in the the uh, Simpsons school of never aging their characters, Ash Ketchum has remained 10 years old, has put together his, probably one of his weakest Pokémon teams but finally got his championship win unless you count the I like how you have to throw shade <laughs> at his Pokémon team and, on top of everything okay. else. Like he's had better teams <laughs> in previous seasons and gotten screwed Fair. out of the championship because of like plot line reasons because he's no he was never allowed to I mean, win before and this is the first full props had, to this because so. this if this were like an american like movie or anime series or something like that like the hero always wins in the end right like you know at the end of the first like fucking yeah at the end yeah. of the movie or the first season like with the exception of rocky maybe being the one notable exception where rocky loses the first movie but you know he goes the distance kind of thing and that's his victory yep. so I like this idea that, you know, they've had this character that has been this plucky underdog that has kept trying and trying and trying and finally fucking won. But my favorite, there's a great meme about this. Yeah. It was like, Ash Ketchum is what every every employer wants right now. A 10-year-old with 22 years experience. Yeah. yeah, basically, I was just going to say, as somebody who's been applying to a lot of jobs, that sounds like very familiar to me recently, where it's like, hey, you have 20 years experience, it's not enough for the position you're applying for, yeah. but we can give you an intermediate position, you have enough experience for somebody who's five years experience, like, yeah. I don't want your job, I don't, yeah. uh, no, I don't want to work for you, Indeed. sorry, like, I just don't, I'm not doing that, Yeah, <laughs> that makes no sense, and I'm not doing that, anyway, Yeah. good on, so wait, I have one question, yes. Does this mean that Pokemon anime that you watched as a kid has been running this whole fucking time? And I just wasn't. Well, just like most uh, Japanese series, like it had uh, every time a new game series came out, um, there's a new, technically a new series where Ash kind of gets a soft reboot. He gets rid of his already good team of fully evolved Pokemon and just starts again with the new starter Pokemon from that region. And so Pikachu. And Pikachu, always Pikachu, and the same fucking uh, Team Rocket dipshits have been following him for <laughs> 22 years, trying to steal that Pikachu. And fair, okay, that's what I was. That's what I was asked. Is it like Simpsons, where like Homer was born and he was clearly a boomer, and now Homer's a millennial because he's been on the air in the same yeah. age for so fucking long that like he's born, he's younger than us now. We're older than Homer Simpson. Yeah, like I never thought I'd, I'd get to the point in my life where I got to say like I'm older than Homer. Yeah. But I'm fucking older than Homer Simpson. No, yeah, I would say Homer. I would put Homer at early 40s. Nah, man, like 30s, like 35. I put Homer. They had their first kid at 25, mm. a little young, because they had Bart really young. Yeah, remember? I guess. Like basically right out of school and shit. So like he could be like he could even be like 33 or something. Yeah, and Homer like just that, looks yeah, like yeah. shit for and 35. Like, then yeah. yeah, but like he's always looked like shit. He looked like shit when he was 17. <laughs> like. He's Fair Homer enough. Simpson. He is the he is the schlub of the universe. He's like, and again, we're off on a fucking yeah, schlub. We all aspire. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Either way, Jesus. I'm just thinking. Yeah. It's funny because like Ash Ketchum it's has an age. It's almost like so Christie's yeah. back. So I guess he started. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. He. Uh, it's all my fault. I'm the one who's doing it. Christie, we're sorry about yeah. your fucking queen killer rapist series. What was that? Christie's uh, King Killer Chronicles uh, TV series that's in limbo oh, yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, good. Yeah. Wait, so I said all that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, uh, next, what are we doing? Where are we now? Um, Matt Reeves. I don't know. You're doing the news. Yeah. Sorry. Matt Reeves, uh, director of the upcoming Batman movie is teaming up with Netflix to adapt Waystation, which is a sci-fi novel. It's about like this, uh, immortal war veteran. Who's the only connection between humans and an alien race. And it's pretty cool. It's, it's a, it's an older novel. It's like from 1963, won the Hugo award. And I'm pretty excited about this. And it kind of gives you Who wrote the novel originally it's Clifford D. Simak. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I've read this. You probably, it's one of those. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those ones that was in an anthology somewhere I had to read probably. At yeah. Some point, like so. kind of like childhood's end, like uh, those classic yeah. sci-fi pulpy things. Yeah. 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 I'll have to take a look at it again because I remember liking it, but I still don't remember anything specific about it right yeah. now. I remember seeing this announcement and being like, "Oh yeah, that sounds like these sci-fi adaptations have been like so hit or miss the last like fuck like yeah. let's let's say like ten years or something like that though." So there have been some great yeah. ones, and incidentally, some, since Galactica yeah, went away, <laughs> there, there have been some real awful ones too. So I'm always hesitant with them. Yeah, I yeah. I like Matt Reeves. I think in general, I'm excited to see what what gonna... else. What else did Matt Reeves do? I was yeah, I was just thinking like, what else has he done? I don't want a tangent again. Though. I'm trying not to tangent. <laughs> uh, the Planet of the Apes movies, Cloverfield. Oh, like the like the ones yeah, that later like, yeah. Franco and stuff yeah. in them, like the more recent ones. Okay, those weren't bad. I like those. Movies. Like I didn't hate those. I like them. Yeah, they're all right. Um, yeah. So it could be interesting. I'm going to keep my eyes open on it because I, you know, that pulpy sci-fi stuff that Dad forced me to read. I I like all that stuff. Forced us to read. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I prefer this to something like Ender's Game, where the not the author is actively a piece of shit. So um, yeah, such a good book. Uh, too, I know. So it's unfortunate. Just, it's like mm. it's one of those things where like the author's message in the book and the author as a person in real life. There's such yeah. a dissonance between the two with uh, Orson you Scott know, Card and, and Garbage uh, Human. Ender's Game. Yeah, being super yeah. anti-gay and giving money to National Organization of Marriage. Hello, tangent number <laughs> five million of the episode. That one's always, it's always <laughs> worth highlighting what a yeah, shitty wasted. fucking person Orson Scott Card is. Agreed, one hundred percent. Go go read that Ender's Game and like just don't pay him. Yeah, yeah go steal the yeah, book. Read it for free. <laughs> yeah, read it for free if you can, because fuck, yeah. it's good. <laughs> and then write a better version of it so we can read that instead and tell their your version's better. Yeah. We'll do that. That's what we'll do. So we got a full major cast listing of James Gunn's Suicide Squad. We it's, talked about that last week. Oh, we did? Okay, I'm we sorry. <laughs> All right, so skip it. Next. Uh, did you guys talk about the Good Place web series? Mm-mm. Okay, so no. there's a little web series as a pre-game of the final season of The Good Place, and it's out right now. And it's really fucking funny because it's good, The Good Place. and Oh, nice. It's all, well, it's all the bad place. Yeah, yeah. it's all the bad it's place the demons. demons. Yeah. Like Sean and the rest. Yeah. I love that it, that's like Keith from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So like, nope. neither of you guys watch that show. Uh, so like, I watch Holt's, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Holt's husband. Yeah. Yeah. Holt's husband is the, the main yeah. demon. It's fucking hilarious. He's so yeah, funny. He's Kevin guy. on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Sean on like. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> D- yeah. Good, I'm place. A good place. Evil white guy names. <laughs> Sean and Kevin. Yes. I'm, Yes, Kevin. Yeah, I, I met some good Sean's, but I don't think I've ever met a Kevin I've liked. We'll see, you know. Kevin Smith. Uh, yeah, I like Kevin yeah. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> End of list. I'm, I've met him once, technically. So, like, that's basically <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, you know what? I met Kevin Sorbo at Comic. He's time. also he a nice. garbage human. I didn't care, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, super right wing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is he? Yeah. There you go. He was nice yeah, to me, but exactly. I'm a white man who's very tall, so I guess <laughs> there's right. that. Uh, yeah, those those little uh, webisodes <laughs> or whatever for uh, the, yeah, whenever it is teasers for season four, good place. Uh, good were, place. Yeah, they were good. They're solid. It, uh, it's wet my whistle yeah. for the fourth and final nice. season of the Good Place. I'm sad that that show's going away, but I'm happy that they're doing it right. Yeah. So I'm like, yes. good. We love good. proper endings. Indeed. That are thought out. Yeah. Also, just like a regular place to watch Kristen Bell, but that seems to be going away. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they're trying to backdoor pilot maybe like a Bad Place series. Like, I, I would definitely mm-hmm. watch that. So, and I think there's definitely more that they could do with that world. It would just not be with those particular yeah. group of characters. Yeah. Because they, they could get like a new. Yeah. A, a new group of four people or something to like try to torture because they t- run with Michael's idea or something like yeah. that. But I've watched the that bad place cast. I love I love those side yeah. characters. Bomba John. As long as Janet them. gets to come back, <laughs> yeah. man. Like you just gotta yes, bring uh, Darcy Carden needs to be on the show forever. I love yeah, her. She's like the heart and soul of that fucking show. Like I like everybody on that show is amazing, but like she just kills it yeah. on that yeah. show every yeah. week. Yeah, she's incredible. She's playing like she's playing like six different roles like per mm-hmm. episode. Sometimes it's fucking yeah. crazy. Like it was bad enough when it was just like evil Janet and like regular Janet, but like when they started adding like now there's her medium having, Janet and yeah, and like now they she can like kind of take on everybody's personalities as they go and stuff too. I'm like this, oh, yeah. she's fucking amazing at doing yeah. this stuff. So yeah, all right, that's all the news that I found, guys. So if you guys have anything to add, well, we usually talk about the fact that the new Zelda game came out, and while it is not a new <laughs> Zelda game. Technically, it a is a Zelda game that came out well, this week, so we should probably bring up the fact that Link's well, Awakening. Well, way to ruin my geek of the week, then. All right. <laughs> well, make, well, then let's let's segue real quick to geek of the week, and no, you can tell us about. We can talk we can't. about. Link. I have things to talk about. My, oh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> because there was Lord of the Rings news this week, oh, and so yeah. of course I have to talk oh. about it. Which is that uh, Amazon Studios has announced that in a foregone conclusion moment, their Lord of the Rings second aid show will be filmed in new zealand yeah which of course it fucking was (laughs) (laughs) i was just hoping for something different we've seen a lot of the new zealand stuff already and i understand they want visual continuity with what they had before and i get the only way they're going to get anybody to watch a show about lord of the rings that is not about the characters we already know is to make it look at least feel like those movies and stuff i was just hoping for a slightly different take on stuff and going back to New Zealand kind of We could have me had out. that with the Guillermo del Toro Hobbit movies, but that that's not what the yeah. studios, wa- studios wanted. Zombie so. mama kills that were supposed to be in those fucking movies. I have a friend that uh, is sort of close with all things Tolkien, and uh, she got to see some of the concept art yeah, the for the Ooh. that are like, we'll never see the light of day for yeah. uh, some of that uh, Guillermo del Toro stuff and said that some of it was like really fucking cool. And yeah, it makes me yeah. even more sad we didn't get to see that. But yeah, I mean, if this was, I think, you know, this way that they, they get to use probably Weta, like I know that Weta is yeah. in terms of, you know, doing the visual effects and Weta all, all obviously already has a lot of experience in this world, even though this is a very different period in this world. So yeah, part of me is, you know, there, there was like rumors that it might be Scotland and stuff like that. And I think that could have been cool as well, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a um, non-news item. Well, the the weird thing about it is like, there's. Have you guys heard about the Hobbit law, where like they've 
this is like a real thing that happened where as a result of the hobbit being shot in new zealand um there's what they call the hobbit law which prevents collective bargaining and unions in the film industry in new zealand like it's very it's like a super anti anti worker Mm, uh, i had not heard that yeah uh, if you watch uh lindsay ellis did a really amazing takedown of the hobbit and the first two are about the movie itself but the third one is how the the hobbit impacted the film industry in Mm. new zealand and all of the production behind it and like how guillermo del toro was super disappointed and how peter jackson was super phoning it in if you guys have a chance to watch her hobbit duology which is actually a three-parter um like the fucking movie yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that's the joke she's she's very much like i see what she's really funny and really critical yeah and it's but it's really compelling interesting documentary style stuff so check it out it's Hmm. cool Lindsay ellis on her youtube channel cool two more quick things one was that that brad pitt space movie came out at astra it's getting pretty good reviews from what i've seen um i don't know that i need to see brad pitt in space but you know it's sci-fi so i figured i might mention it Um, any thoughts feelings i want to go see it i like that kind of movie usually and i like brad pitt enough that i would like it's definitely a netflixer thing for me though it's not something i'm gonna like yeah run out and see in the theaters probably because like even like was it gravity that everybody was like you gotta go see it in the theaters i did and was like mm, i like gravity right. a lot. i still haven't cool. seen that <sighs> i need to it was all right like it was good but it wasn't like amazing or anything um yeah. i thought it was weird that they even cast sandra bullock in gravity because like anyone could have didn't matter anyone could have been that yeah i don't know anyway so like this movie yeah, and also she's like, I know, I know it's, I know we're not supposed to be ages and shit like that, but like she was way outside the age range for any astronaut at that point. Also, mm-hmm. like even men and stuff like that don't go up generally past forty. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So like anybody going up past their forties is usually not a thing. But they had her and and Clooney, George Clooney, yeah. who were like both like on their way to sixty going up into space. And I was like, yeah, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. But okay, cool. But I love Sandy, <laughs> so it's fine. We love Sandy. I do like, and that's the thing. I really like Sandra Bullock, and I like George Clooney too. So I was like, "That's cool that they're there," but like, this actually doesn't track because they'd probably be actually twenty-two because yeah. that's who they set up in the fucking space. Yeah. And the very last thing that I had is really something here that's more for me than anything. But Brian Michael Bendis, through his Superman run, uh, just introduced or reintroduced uh, the Legion of Superheroes into the DC universe in a pretty cool way. And uh, yeah, basically there was like a spoilers for anybody that's not caught up on uh, Brian Michael Bendis' Superman. But uh, at the end of this sort of saga about the destruction of Krypton, uh, there was sort of this big intergalactic summit where superman basically inadvertently founds the united planets or something like that whatever like the yeah yeah, that uh whatever the organization is that the legion of superheroes eventually spins out of like a thousand years into the future kind of thing and so the legion of superheroes comes back in time to like congratulate them for like reaching this milestone that will eventually have this massive impact on the universe, which I thought was a really cool way of reintroducing uh, that group of characters. And then there's going to be a series uh, uh, ongoing series with those characters coming out now. And they pull Superboy into the future to be part of the Legion of superheroes, which harkens. It's another one of those. This has happened before. It will happen again. Kind of things. Yes. Not, you know, there's always like a Superboy or a Supergirl associated with the Legion of superheroes in some way. Mm-hmm. So, 
I think that was the one takeaway I saw from that story was that I was like, it looks like they're sending Jonathan to go work with the Legion the way Clark would have in like the Silver Age yeah. kind of thing. And I'm like, that's fucking cool. Like, that's a really good idea for them to like. I mean, the only thing, I, my only problem with it is at this point, they're going to fucking soap opera age him up even more. Like, he's going to come back and be 22. And I'm going to be like, that sucks. I don't want him to be 22. I like the dynamic of Jonathan Kent as like Superman's. 12-ish year old yeah i wasn't crazy about them super like hyper aging him or whatever but uh yeah i don't know they could always pull it back we'll see i mean presumably he's still at the same oh no because i guess he actually did live those years he just lived those years like Uh in large part imprisoned but anyways now we're getting deep into recent yeah uh, dc universe lore so i'll leave it at that yeah that's cool though it's exciting the legion's back finally too because it's been like a couple couple years since they've been kind of off the map again so yeah and it's an interesting group of characters and one that i think i feel like bendis in particular given his pretty optimistic writing style i think we'll have interesting takes on yeah i'm glad that he's kind of writing that way again because he's much better when he's kind of got an upbeat kind of swing to his writing that's when his spider-man was at its best yeah and that's what his superman has been so far for the most part because when he gets into the weird dower stuff like the avengers stuff that he wrote that was like normal avengers stuff like he doesn't Mm. jive with that kind of stuff very well like he's better as like i am the superman or spider-man writer like the bouncy uplifting kind of hero so good thumbs up on that that's cool all right nice is that it for news (laughs) yes Yes. that's it now we can move on (laughs) all right well then let's move on to our geek of the week geek of the week so this is the part of the episode where we talk about the geekiest thing we did this week. So let's start with Mark. Mark, what was your geekiest thing? Oh, man, I beat Link to the Past again this week while I've been at home. So I brought my Switch down to St. Catharines with me. And I've been enjoying that SNES collection that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And yeah, I want to play Link to the Past. And so I did. And honestly, that game takes me like six hours yeah. to beat now. It's sad like how fast <laughs> I can get through that. But I love that fucking game. Like, it's so... Like it's everything that Zelda ended up becoming is all kind of in that game. So <laughs> that's the one I go back to the most because I can do it in 10 yeah. hours or whatever. Unlike Breath, Breath of the Wild, which is like, hey, we're going to do this. I got to sign off everything for two weeks and just like slog my way yeah. through Hyrule again. It's not happening. But I know I, I uh, linked to the past. Yeah, it was a lot of fun this week to kind of clear my mind. So nice. that was my geek of the week. Yeah, I find that those replays of Zelda classics really do like have a Zen feel to them, especially if like, you know, the, the, the puzzles so well, but they still feel good to complete. Like there's just like that sensation and just, um, there's, there's something on, uh, Kotaku this week about like how the, one of the most satisfying video game actions is just swinging Link's sword. Yeah, that was the review for uh, Link's Link's Awakening by Jason Schreier uh, that came out this week. Uh, Jason Schreier is an awesome video game writer. Like, you know, he's fantastic at that kind of stuff. And his reviews are always go-to reviews for me. And yeah, he he nailed it on the head with that. I completely agree. And that was kind of why I was doing it. Because I'm like, I know I'm going to play Link's Awakening probably in not particularly short order. Like this week, I'll probably pick it up. And I figured I should get through Link to the Past first because it's kind of the sequel. And, yeah. Um, I wasn't going to replay the the Game Boy original because I, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna replay it basically in the yeah. remake. So I was like, I'm gonna get into yeah. that. But yeah, no, it was it's a lot of fun, and it's just really cool having those games on Switch. And like, hopefully, it's kind of like the NES where they just keep adding games for free as they go along. Because that NES one started with 30 ish games, and now it's got like a couple more than that, like 40 or 50 or something. Mm-hmm. So. It's cool that they're like enhancing that functionality of the Switch. Did you see Bloodstained is on Game Pass already? Really? 
think it's on Xbox Game Pass this month. Yeah, it came out already. Oh. So I'm going to get the 4K enhanced version of it. Uh, when I get back to Milton, it's like available right now for Game Pass. And I think it's going to be cheap next month on like PlayStation Plus or something like that. Like it's already starting to hit the sales. Well, I already have it for so. PlayStation. So yeah, I, yeah. Well, I was looking to double dip and get my PlayStation copy because I figure I'm probably going to go PS5 first next gen. And I would want that game cross-platform yeah, kind of thing yeah, absolutely so i'm waiting for it to hit the sale on playstation network so i can buy it and play it again properly on sony's platform yeah so <laughs> but yes all right nice yeah go play zelda man that game's awesome all right tim what about you what's your geek of the week my geek of the week and i think this has been my geek of the week probably about a year ago the same time was this weekend is uh bilbo's birthday uh bilbo and frodo's birthday because they share a birthday and so some friends of our host a huge bilbo's birthday bash uh along with the atlanta tolkien fans group so that was this afternoon and we went and just gorged ourselves on amazing food they have like a one cheese ring to rule them all like a baked brie that has uh jared tolkien's sigil baked into the top of it a cake that looks like exactly like the one in the movie complete with 111 candles that we light and have to blow out very quickly before we set fire to their house and (laughs) (laughs) yeah and they she makes like lembas bread and all sorts of stuff and i actually uh i contributed a cocktail as i am want to do to it uh so i have a cocktail of which i have not had for a long time to give our listeners to that they could potentially make that's true. It's been a long time since yeah. you've done this. I was like, I was just thinking, I'm like, man, he, Tim hasn't done like, co- cocktail of the week or whatever the fuck. He it was, was a lot it. to do every week. It but, was uh, so. It was a lot. A little bit of a callback. Uh, so yeah, so I made a cocktail called uh, Mount Doom, and it was uh, brandy, cinnar, uh, which is I think an Italian like herbal liqueur, a blackberry juice, cranberry juice, and lemon, and it ended up being pretty good. And every the whole whole jug of it was drunk. So yeah. Very nice. That was Mike. Oh, that explains why we're so tangenty. You're fucking liquored up already. You've been drinking cocktails. No, that was like four hours, no, five, six hours ago at this point. And I've done like a one hour run since then. So that's totally out of my system. All that's in my system right now is this one glass of wine. I'd be. Man, I, if I did any of that much eating and drinking, then one did a run. I gave it know. a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, buddy. Good for you. <laughs> All right, so my Geek of the Week is very similar to Mark's because I decided to, well, when I was in Australia, I had a bit of a geeky week with my boyfriend. We ended up watching all of the movies we could find that starred a 90s pop star. So we watched Mariah Carey's Glitter. (laughs) We watched Crossroads with Britney Spears and Burlesques. And you had to go to Australia to do this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, why did you bother going to Australia? It's just something to we do were this. doing when we came back home from like touring and stuff. Like, I went to the Adelaide Zoo and Fair all enough. that stuff. But like, he's a big film buff. Like, he's a video editor. Like, that's what he does is he makes like short documentary films and things like that. So we tend to watch a lot of movies when we're together. So we ended up doing that. But the real geek of the week is uh, Link's Awakening because I bought that on Friday when it came out. So I have already gotten to the last dungeon. I am oh, you little rock. shit. Look at you. Yeah. Um, I overall love the art style. It okay. feels really good to play, except the dash. The dash feels a little slow mm-hmm. to me. Mm. And one of the things that they've changed is they've increased the number of secret seashells that you can find, which is like the, the Korok seeds yeah, of yeah, Link's yeah. Awakening. The collectible or... Mm-hmm. 
the collectible. And unfortunately, that can... It's weirdly stopping me from getting one of my favorite items. Because after you do the trade quest in Link's Awakening, you have the ability to get the boomerang. But you have to trade a, a permanent item to get the boomerang. Usually what I trade is the shovel. But you need the shovel to find all of the secret seashells. And because there's so many more, I don't want to part with the shovel because I don't want to miss out. Can I tell you a funny story? You should have read the how to play the game on Kotaku that was out there this week. You can just go buy back that item for 300 rupees afterwards. Oh, well. They switched it in the game, so you <laughs> don't have to do that anymore. Ah, yeah. I didn't know that. Because for me, like I, I just remember having to do that with the yeah, Game Boy I version. Ah. That's why that was in there. They put that in that article specifically for people who had played it before, who were like, you don't get fucked out of losing whatever item you give him. You can just go buy it again, apparently. And I was like, oh, that's actually really good. That's a yeah. good idea. That's a nice like modern... Well, uh, it would have been nice to know that because I could have been using the boomerang. I guess if you're Paul and like just are going based on yeah. 100% your memory of what you played before and want to suffer, then you can do it's that. It's working for me the so legacy far, version of the game. I'm already yeah. on Dungeon 8. Yeah, yeah really. Like, it's just like playing the hard yeah. version. It's like playing the Wind Waker remake and still going and picking up all the shards like you did in the original GameCube version. Yeah. Just why? Why would you do that yeah. to yourself? They don't even like exist it. in the new one, in the updated one. There. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. But the, the overall quality of life improvements on Link awakening are really great like just having more buttons is really good to have um and they still yeah i bet you that one they still awesome. let you combine items like you can combine your arrow with bombs to make bomb arrows and stuff still so like it's really it has these little weird unique things to itself that they decided not to get rid of they kept so it still feels like Link's awakening in all of its weird glory like i last dungeon on dungeon seven they still have evil Kirby trying to kill you in there that you have to defeat with bombs and stuff. So like it's a, spoilers. It's still a That's weird, cool. yeah, spoilers. <laughs> it's still a weird game and I'm happy that it's like weird Zelda still. I like it. So I, that's my geek of the week. I really, I really dig. I'm it. probably not going to get to play it until Alicia's done with it. So has she picked it up at least yet? Uh, I know she'd pre-ordered it, but I don't think it's arrived yet. Mm. She is. uh, Yeah, she pre-ordered it, but she had forgotten that she pre-ordered it. Fair enough. (laughs) See, at least she'll be happy with this one because, like, it's a remake of one she probably likes, and if they're just doing quality of life improvements, she'll be okay with it. Unlike the uh, the hate fest that was Breath of the Wild. Yeah, man. (laughs) So (laughs) this is a good segue into our meet of the episode because I told uh, I played part of the album for Alicia, and she basically said, "I feel about this." way about this album that i felt about breath of the wild in terms of as a part of the zelda franchise and she's a bigger tool fan than i am so yeah. <laughs> ouch ouch yeah uh, i need to listen to you guys bitch about my tool record and just fucking ignore you yeah. for the rest of the <laughs> so, basically i, I have you. some good things to say about it. it's not all bitching it's just i have yeah uh, yeah anyway mixed bag it is actually i completely agree so like there's that there's just like there's three or four songs that i'm like these are really good tool songs and i'm very happy with these and then the rest of them i'm like haven't quite clicked yet is i think what i'm kind of going with right now because eventually they'll click but they just haven't clicked yet so sure they will oh they will they will (laughs) it's just you haven't gotten fucking wasted (laughs) enough yet tim knows tim fucking knows (laughs) uh so let's uh then let's do it let's get to our meat of the episode polyrhythmic meat 
So um, we've been talking about this album for a while, so I decided that we should bite the bullet and just do the episode on it. We will be reviewing Tool's Fear Inoculum, which is the long-awaited return from Tool that took 13 years, 13 years in the making for this album. So we we all feel a certain way about it and we're going to talk about it and it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing this is the end of the podcast guys, <laughs> yeah. what we're trying to say we're trying to say this is the last episode <laughs> so saddle in and let's have some fun while i never speak to my brother or tim again <laughs> the robot dances no more so yeah, yeah exactly okay. the robot stops dancing yeah. because he can't dance the tool that's what the problem is try as it might <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's trying yeah jesus but it's hard so do like the fucking like uh elaine <laughs> dance from seinfeld maybe i'm into it let's All do right. it so <laughs> should we just start with first impressions i think we should like just this is very much a tool album it is a tool record yes <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it clocks in at 86 minutes and 38 seconds with like the interstitial tracks on like Spotify uh, and my Apple Music. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the digital versions. The digital versions and it has the so on the regular album release, I guess they've cut out the interstitials. interstitials. Yeah. The physical, the CD yeah. release, yeah. yeah. Which I finally got this week, by the way. I, they, there's a nice little vinyl store in St. Catharines, or actually in Niagara-on-the-Lake, oddly enough, but like just over the canal kind of thing that for some reason was posting. And they're like, we got physical copies of the Tool record. And I was like, I am five minutes away from them. I'm going to go buy one because I didn't have it. Like CD or vinyl? vinyl. The CD. Oh, they haven't done the okay. vinyl release okay. yet. So I bought the CD that has the screen, like the limited edition one, that mm. is kind of the only version you can get now. So I picked that up. Yeah. The screen's neat. It's completely pointless, but like it's neat. I love the that's the thing, yeah. like the packaging that Tool does is really kind of next level. So Yeah, they like go balls to the wall on their packaging at all yeah. times. Now, some of their design choices give me black light poster vibes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is their target demographic. So I'm not like I'm not <laughs> hating. I'm just saying that it is very much like a that aesthetic hey man like very much it's that. alternative metal for stoners what are you expecting like i'm not exactly sure what you guys are trying to like lump into yeah. at this point no, it's alternative metal no, for no, stoners no expectations yeah. just observations <laughs> yeah, mark just observe yeah, man. <laughs> okay so uh but they always have this kind of like um they really like repeated pattern fractals and things mm-hmm. like that on their um designs um reptilian alien looking things um, eyes, everything's got fucking eyes staring eyes, at you. Everything is eyes, eyes everything has you. eyes. Yeah, everything's got an eye staring yeah. at you. Uh, Harkening yeah. back to Third Eye, probably from Anima, but you know. Or like Prince's, like his eyes are eyes thingy. That That's he, also possible. He's writing These guys that. are really fucking <laughs> weird, so they may be also, they're probably giant Prince fans that are maybe indicating, yeah. like referencing Prince in their weird alternative metal. That's possible. Uh, you know, what it, they are fucking weird possible. guys, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> What is your background with Tool? Like, what level of fan are you of Tool? Uh, let's start with Tim. Oh, you don't want to start with me, but I am. I would call myself a 
I would have I have a casual interest at best in Tool's music. Like I'm not this isn't really my genre like prog metal kind of thing is not something that I really dive into very often. I mean, I have a sort of general awareness of Tool. This has this is the first Tool album that I've sat down and listened to all the way through, I think. Whoa. Like I've and probably, this is why we're doing this I, because yeah. like I knew Tim had never really sat down with a Tool record before and I thought it would be kind of <laughs> I mean, I knew like I have like a bunch uh-huh. of their singles, you know. I've got like fucking like shit like schism and stink fist and a bunch of other stuff but this was the first time that i'd really sat down with the full album of it so yeah that's where i'm coming from it's almost like we should have given him another two weeks to listen to it and like really like <laughs> dive into it because do you think he would actually have spent that time listening I, to the tool album? i did it with the daft punk so that's where we're at with this you know what i mean i suffered through that daft punk record <laughs> I stopped myself from listening to this one more time before we recorded because I didn't want my opinion to further diminish further. further. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Mark, how about you? To, to explain your tool fanness, uh, fandom fan. Well, I mean, you can always go back to the other podcasts and listen to us tell exactly the same story on our Lateralis and Anima yeah. episode, which, yeah. yes, there's that. What's the other podcast? Uh, it was called Side A, Side B. And it is still out there called Side A, Side B. You can still find exists. it. Yeah, you can still get it. <laughs> there's great. 10 episodes of it or something like that out there. I don't know if they're numbered properly. Don't get into, me, into that shit with me now because I don't know anymore <laughs> if they were numbered properly, but that's fine. Um, no, I'm a big Tool fan. Uh, we, like, they, I grew up seeing those videos, like, Sober. I remember we were seeing Sober a lot in the 90s, and it terrifying me. And then Stinkfist coming out, and it also terrifying me. And then Anima coming out, and it also terrifying me. And then when, yeah. I think, it was probably more like when Schism, like, Lateralis came out, that I was like, oh, wait. I said, These videos are still fucking weird, but this music's interesting now. Like, I started to get the music side of it, and then I bought the records. I was like, oh, wait. This drummer's really good. This is basically what I took away from it at first, which is like, this drummer's <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah. So I started listening to Tool on a regular basis. I've since seen them a dozen times, probably. Like, I've got all their records. I, you know, I've seen Maynard play with A Perfect Circle and Pucifer. Like, I've done all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm a big Tool fan. And I was very excited for this record to come out, as you guys probably know, because that's all I've fucking talked about on this podcast for like the last <laughs> four weeks now, I think. So I'm coming at yeah. this from like an excited fan perspective yeah. where i was like this is great they're finally back and i don't hate it so big ups yeah. like that's where i was at with it <laughs> and i was a like a curious returning fan i would say like i try to distance myself from tool army as much as oh, possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tool army being the fan base of tool for those who don't know which is often garbage oh yeah, yeah. And which is one of the worst fan bases like just notoriously terrible that being said tool is a band that actively fucks with their fan base constantly constantly in some clever ways but occasionally some like dickish ways shit lord kind of (laughs) ways where it's just like maynard can be just as or the the band can be just as juvenile as their fan base on occasion which is fine you're saying they deserve each other yes (laughs) And, and yes pretty much i always feel like maynard is the one who's like the main like thrust of it a lot of the time yeah because i don't feel like adam's always just adam doing weird adam things and i don't think justin Mm -hmm. all justin is caring about now is like he cut his hair off and is super hot and everybody lusts after him now like did you see him with his hair cut (laughs) off all the women no i did you should look at him now he looks amazing and then danny who's like 
I don't know, like a six foot eight fucking octopus cyborg who plays drums like a Satanist. Yeah, so or something Danny, like that. Danny's the drummer. Yeah. Maynard's the vocals. And what are the other two guys? So Adam Jones is lead guitar and Justin okay. Chancellor is bass. Yes. And Danny okay. Carey is the drummer and Maynard James Keenan is lead vocals slash gotcha. rhythm guitar. No, he doesn't. Other, guitar. other. Sometimes he does other stuff, but I don't. Mostly I think it would be like bullhorn i think is the other thing he plays like he <laughs> he screams into a megaphone also i think is what he does yeah he sure does yeah he does that a lot <laughs> uh yeah so this uh we talked about this before but this album came out at the same time as lana del rey's norman fucking rockwell yes. and that album was a lot more exciting to me than this <sighs> album when it was first coming out <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the disappointment on Mark's face right well, now. Well, and I get it because like I liked the Lana album. I, I I agree that the Lana album was good. I'm just like, I don't know, man. She's yeah. put out something new every couple of years, and it's always kind of the sameish thing. Like this was better than the average, I will admit. But like, I'm yeah. I don't know. I guess like my hype level for a Tool record is probably kind of astronomically high compared to like my hype level for another Lana Del Rey album. That's just Fair. another one after like one one a year basically for the past five years. So yeah, yeah, none bad. Again, none bad, but like, I I liked because I've been seeing her evolution since like I Mm -hmm. really liked half of the her first album and her second the (laughs) other half half of of it was oh god damn born to die Um, but yeah she steadily like improved the consistency and quality of her albums to the point where every single off of fucking Rockwell had me super excited and then I listened to the first song that Tool released which was Fear Inoculum the, the title track and I was like well, this sounds exactly like something off of Lateralis. So I like my hype level yeah. kind of got kneecapped a little bit. Um, I was like expecting after 13 years, well, and we'll get more into this later, but like something to like really knock it out of the park for me. And Fear Inoculum as a single did not do that. So when I first started listening to the album, I was like, well, okay, let's, it's got some interesting stuff on it though. So yeah, let's get, let's get into the first track and let's talk about fear inoculum because i really like the strings at the beginning of the song i like i th- I was like really that is what kind of got me a little bit pumped is that like hey some of these sounds are things i've never heard from tool before so i was yep. like the, and that high-pitched grinding noise was like combined with the strings and with the drums all sounded really cool so i was really into fear inoculum in the first five minutes of the song yeah yeah this i I agree this was for me like the closest thing again for me being a casual tool fan to like a traditional tool song on the album which i guess is good because it like it does a decent job of sort of easing you into a little bit more of the departure stuff although it's never too departure but it fuck it goes on like too long for me i get Mm. it's prog uh but most i would say most of the song like the main tracks on the album just end up end up hitting a point where they drone on for me without really doing much to keep me super engaged i will say i list i've not listened to this album like the least bit inebriated or high or anything <laughs> which i feel like may be necessary to the appreciation trust me it helps a lot <laughs> um, it helps a lot uh, and, and for multiple reasons which i'm sure we'll get into later as well i think that that might be the case but yeah so like by the like last like three or four minutes i'm just not really engaged anymore um so i i think overall i think all the main tracks could probably stand to be about like 20 to 25 percent shorter mm, gonna disagree except for, <laughs> on, in the, except for in, actually and this is the one case i have two songs where i'm like i think they could have would have been more effective if they had been shorter more impactful kind of thing and fear inoculum is number one on that list i do 
kind of think it's one of those ones like I have a thing with their advanced singles. I always feel like their advanced singles are like the most mediocre song on the album. And to use that as your the first track on your album on top of that was super like, hmm, that's kind mm-hmm. of a weird choice. Yeah. Cause it's and I know like Paul's a big fan of Schism, mm-hmm. but like and Stinkfist is above like above and beyond reproach in terms of being anything. Like it's just Stinkfist at this point. <laughs> but like Schism and then Vicarious and now Fear Inoculum have all been the advanced singles for their albums. And they're all pretty like compared to the rest of the albums and some of the really high end material on those albums are pretty mediocre songs overall. But I know Paul's going to say like Schism's amazing, but like it's not as good as Ticks and Leeches lateral. No, of course not. And, and I'm, I'm with you on that. It's just for me, like, it, it, yeah, this is probably one of the weaker tracks, but it still has all of the kind of same structural stuff that tool always does. And it's like, yeah. I, I wrote down like at some point, like, Hey, this is uh, another tool song ending. The, and there's two versions. There's the the vocal version and the non-vocal version. And it's like that yes. that rolling the rolling drums and like the like chugging, chugging guitar. guitar. It's always the endings were so similar to me. So Tim, I also had this problem where like the end the songs did eventually drone on for me. It's because I noticed that like Maynard's not super present. Yeah. And the 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 yeah. rest of the album is so workmanlike and it doesn't sound like they're having much fun except on the interstitial (laughs) tracks weirdly enough i couldn't like i agree with that i always find like the parts where the vocals are happening is where the band sounds like it's not having any fun and it may be as in like as a drummer like as somebody who's playing that kind of stuff i can hear like the solo stuff like where adam and justin and it's just adam justin and danny and manners basically walked away and it's just them jamming and i'm like they sound like they're having a fucking blast right now like this sounds fun to me to listen to because the instrumental guys like the band are kicking ass and manner just disappeared and that that's one of those things about this album that i'm like i don't know how i feel about how sparingly Maynard kind of appears over the course of a 90 minute record. I'm trying to figure out how much actual vocal he does. And it's, I think it's, it's gotta be under 30 minutes total on the album. And even when he is present and I found this, this really sort of clicked for me on, uh, I'm jumping a little bit ahead here to calling voices, but his vocals are pretty low in the overall mix. Mm -hmm. Like to the point where there's times where I have trouble making them out. Yeah. And, and that's a pretty standard tool thing. They always kind of very much like level everybody out as opposed to doing the standard, like we're going to throw the vocals out front of everybody. Mm. That's kind of one of those things. And I don't, it's for better or for worse. Like you can take it or leave it. Like I, I don't have a real opinion about it, but mm-hmm. yeah, usually you'll <laughs> find that like Maynard's vocals get pushed into the mix as opposed to out front of the mix. Yeah. Well, I, so that's been I listened I listened to Schism this afternoon for a reason we'll get to on the next track. I like on Schism, I was like, okay, I can hear Maynard a lot better here than I can on any of this album. So I don't know, maybe that's just me, you know, being biased or whatever. But yeah, I, I noticed on this album in particular I had trouble hearing the vocals over everything else. I found him about as pushed back as he especially in Lateralis, he's very pushed back in Lateralis, okay. like overall the whole album. So yeah. I found him to be in about the same spot. I guess orally. I don't know how to, what I'll have to say. Phrasing a u, yeah, a u r r a l l y. Like where he was positioned is still in that same kind of like middle ground compared to, like if you listen to a Perfect Circle album, you hear him right up front, like they really crank him out. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with Tool, he's like Tool's like Tool, so it's all four of the guys and they mix it so that it's not necessarily him being emphasized or whatever. Yeah. So 
I get that complaint. I've heard that a lot about, especially this one, for some reason, it seems to be more prevalent, probably because he's just barely around on the album. Yeah. Too, so. Yeah. And like his contribution. busy fucking making wine. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, is. he is. And two other bands. <laughs> so he's got a lot of things on the go. Yeah, that's true. But uh, he like, when it comes to his contributions, both vocally and lyrically, like the it's pretty, now it's almost become like the standard I guess he go he it, on later tracks it's fine but See, like I think it depends like some of the like, some of these are really good Mariner lyrics though like I think there's some good stuff on here occasionally I just don't think occasionally I guess what I mean but like not all of them but like some of them are actually pretty good Mariner lyrics Yeah I just get frustrated because I love the lyrics on Maldonado so much you know like I when he is Dude, he's never done that again. Like even the Perfect Circle sequel albums, all kind of more never that more good. toolish. So. Yeah, I know. And so, like yeah. when I, I, your Fear Inoculum just seems like so inert to me when it comes to like what he's singing about. It's just kind of like the song yeah. or the album. The s- like occasionally like some of his lyrics do kind of like bubble up to the surface and i'm like oh that's like uninvincible and we'll talk about that later it's like but on fear inoculum and numa which we'll move on to i just like yeah i'm with you like it for me the the lyrics don't do much for me overall but again that this isn't my genre like for me a lot of it is just like Hey, look how edgy and counterculture we are. And like, that's a sentiment I might have agreed with like 15, 20 years ago, but not so much these days. I, I think that Fair. there's, it's so like a lot of his lyrics are very opaque and they are like, it, it's obviously talking about like a specific theme. And, but he couches it in like one long metaphor. And th- I had this problem yeah. a little bit with the Alice in Chains album that you made me listen to. But, like, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. but, th- yeah. but I think Maynard does a better job. This is what I was dreading, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say that when Maynard is doing a good job, he does a much better job of like taking the metaphor and running with it in a good way. And I would, and I would mm-hmm. say that Fear Inoculum has some like moments of lyrical interest again song or album <laughs> I again he's blanking good we're doing, well. we're doing well all right cool cool okay. cool 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 so but uh it's like a midway through the first song it sounds so much like like a lateralis b-side to me that i'm just like and that's not a bad thing either necessarily it's because it's better than a Ten Thousand days b-side for sure but like i don't mean i like Ten Thousand days a lot so like i don't know <laughs> where you're coming from. <laughs> <this. laughs> depends on the but it depends on the song right like it depends on what section of that album you're pulling from like are we taking wings for marie which i'm like is very self-indulgent well, and a little plotting or are we taking rosetta stone which is fucking bonkers and a lot of fun it's, it's uh interesting that you say pulling from different albums because it sounds a lot like they're <laughs> pulling from schism and on numa yep yep yeah holy yeah. shit i had the exact same thought yeah i was like this riff Okay, you took 13 years to write an album and you used the same riff from your first single from your album from like 20 years ago. What the fuck? Thank God. It's not just me. No, you're actually, you know, I I had the same thing in my too. Because I, this is the song, this is one of those songs, and this is funny because like everybody on the subreddit, fucking loves this song and i'm like no this is it's never clicked yeah and it's like i hate the lyrics and i hate the way he says numa 400 times and the backing tracks yeah then the backing tracks like i'm like it's all right but it's not like there's so much better 
like they're about to do a much better backing track in the next song and then descending is an even better backing track and then tempest is coming so i'm like all right what are we doing here yeah. like this is not i don't know just this for an album that's 13 years in the fucking making why is one of these songs feel half baked already yeah you know what i mean that was where i like numa got me where i was like hmm i've learned to enjoy it as i've gone along with it but i feel like the album for me really starts at invincible mm-hmm. which is kind of weird yeah, yeah. Numa fade made me feel like I was listening to like a remix or like an alternate take of Schism or something like that to start out. Mm-hmm. Like this, the rhythm is so similar. Yeah, that guitar hook is really reminiscent. For me, it almost felt like it was like a musically or like a melodically inverted version of the Schism riff. Like it was kind Ooh, of like where, where Schism goes be. up, and and that might entirely be the case. Somebody's probably already done that fucking analysis somewhere. Go to Reddit. Yep. You know. Yep. Like. So it was like where the schism riff would go up, the Numa riff would go down or something like that. But yeah. like <laughs> I likened it to like the generic like store brand, like the great value version of schism. Ouch. <laughs> 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 but then That's by like by a minute and thirty, I was getting fucking frustrated by the constantly shifting rhythm. Like, I could not get into the fucking groove of this song. And it, like, this is a feeling I had multiple times on the album. I found it really challenging and not in a complimentary way. I probably have, I, I'm pretty sure I've got more musical training than either of you guys. Is that fair, do you think? Like, I took, yeah. I took music, like, all through high school, like, through through the end of high school kind of thing. At least, like, traditional music training. Sure. Traditional music theory, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I played, I've been playing just as long as you, so it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. But like my like that's different too, right? Like I'm taking like jazz drums and shit. Yeah. Like it's so yeah. So yeah, the fact probably. that me having probably ten years plus of like classical music training and that I'm having trouble appreciating these like funky time signatures and polyrhythms, to me that says that they're not implemented successfully. There's some cases where there are, but on this track in particular, it never clicks for me. See, I, I I can't defend Numa because it's it's one of the it's one of the songs that hasn't clicked with me yet. Like I don't, maybe it never will. It may be like Schism, where Paul can attest to the fact like I've never been crazy about Schism. Like it's one of those songs where I'm like, eh, I can take it or leave it. Like if I never heard it again, would not care. And I'm just kind of feeling the same way about Numa. Yeah. Numa, so I'm like Numa's a fucking roller coaster ride for me. So like I'm yeah. uneasy during that. Like it ends up being like a 33 count. Like it's 33 eight or something like that is the fucking count because it's like a mix of two and three counts uh, in that really weird part that nobody can really. I, I've seen down. the count on it. I it's like two three 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 two three 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 two three or something like that. Which yeah. if you add it up is like fucking 33, which is ridiculous. But by the time you get to like that, like three minute, like three twenty minute, and it goes back to the straight four four, like driving, like that first kind of climax. I'm fucking on board, yeah. and then it loses me because like forty seconds later, it goes back to that fucking crazy ass time signature. So. When it hits yeah. its groove, it's really good, but it only hits its groove for maybe 30% of the song. Yeah, and that's that 320, I wrote that down too. It's like, oh my god, that was this is the exact same breakdown from Schism. Like yeah. it sounds exactly the same. And it's only- I gotta go listen to these like back like back to yeah. back because like I like I know somebody needs I know what to put them saying. together like beat for beat or something like that. It would be like, interesting. Even even if you have to slow one down or something. Yeah, I could do that audition easily. Like I'd be able to match that up without a problem. So that's not I could do that. But I'm curious, just because like I, like I heard it that it was similar. But you guys are saying it's like super similar. I don't hear it as being that crazy. But again, 
Numa's like, I, I feel like I keep, because I heard Fear Inoculum so much when it first came out, like I spent a couple of days like really listening to it and being kind of disappointed by it. And then like Numa came out and I was like, wait, I don't really like Numa either. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. And then I was listening to Invincible. It was Invincible when I was like, oh, fuck, here, here we go. Like, yeah. I'm in now. Yeah. Like, I like this. This is good. And then Descending. I know you guys are going to probably trash it, and I'm going to be really upset, because no. I fucking love Descent. <laughs> okay. Well, before we get into Invincible, I want to talk about the interstitial tracks. I I find, okay. because I actually think that this is where all the new ideas got dumped into, and they got ended up on the cutting room floor, and this is one of the most frustrating things about this album for me, is that all the, the experimentation and stuff that could have elevated this album to something that I was interested in got left in the interstitials like the 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 different uh instruments that they used just a yeah. different atmosphere other than like that rumbling driving tool ending that we get to have six times on this album like well, i yeah five at least anyway this is, yeah this to me felt like where tool needed to like really challenge themselves by including those elements into the main tracks yeah. and they yeah. I think they kind. I'm not sure. If, like, I don't want. Don't want to say like they post out or anything. But it feels like the this album is lateralist too so much that they capitulated in their vision. It almost seems like because these interstitial tracks do some really interesting stuff. Even the weird ones like Chocolate Chip Trip. I don't hate. I don't hate that because like at least it sounds different. Yeah, you know, so it doesn't uh, like, sound like it fits on this fucking album, but it's different. No. <laughs> no. But like this litany contre la peur, the this weird electronic element moment that we have between Numa and Invincible, I was like, oh, if they had actually used this instrument more throughout the album, like it's almost or like vocoder hey, stuff. Yeah, why yeah. not have like an ele- a more electronic theme to it? But they never do that because they only. <laughs> Sorry, the vocoder effect comes in on the guitar solo though. Like they're using that vocoder effect that I'm listening to right now that plays out is him doing that effect on the thing on that track, and then he uses it in the solo for Invincible. Yeah. So the sound comes it out. does. Like I understand what you're saying. Like you want that more electronic kind of influence through it, but then it's not. No, a tool I'm record. not saying. Then it's a Pucifer album. You know I'm what I mean? I'm not saying like, that I wanted it to be a Pucifer album. I don't. I like just. It's so... Oh, I know you don't want it to be a Pucifer <laughs> album, because I know you yeah. hate that. <laughs> but it's such a, a light touch on um, adding an instrumental theme to uh, such a huge album that has so many elements to mm-hmm. it, that I wish that they had gone harder on it, because it was something that caught my interest. Whereas the kind of samey, tooly stuff that I've heard on Lateralis so much was losing my interest, where this kind of snapped me back in. It was like, oh, that's different for them. It's like you know 13 years since the last album happened lots of things happened in metal you know like some really landmark albums have come out since then like sunbather or you know all that stuff and i don't want to spend too much time comparing tool to other metal bands but i feel like this showed me that they hadn't completely stagnated in terms of their creativity but they didn't take it and run with it, didn't it on the embrace it quite tracks. as much yeah, yeah yeah there's a really good quote from maynard this week like he was being interviewed and they were they were talking about like why this album took so long and all the legal ramifications of like all the bullshit that they had gone through just to like have a deal that was able for them to release the record but he was like this album sounded fucking awesome in 2008 mm-hmm. and i was like i bet shit it yeah. did actually sound yeah, really good in 2008 and then it's, just, it's taken so long to get out that 
now we're just like now we're having that conversation right where we're like oh yeah this would have come out in 2008 2009 yeah. and we would have all been like fuck this is great we're back to lateralis we're done with that 10,000 days craziness fuck thank god tools back but instead what happened is we make us wait 13 fucking years <laughs> for it so now we're going back and being like man i really wish they had grown more as a band and i'm starting to think that what's going to happen is when they're they're probably going to do another, at least one more album, because they're all talking about wanting to get at least one more out, and they've got a ton of material there. I bet you they take two or three years and put out a really killer run. Next, That's a little more. Because now yeah. they're like, okay, we got this out, and now we can go and experiment a little bit more, because we know that Tool still is like a viable yeah. thing. So, I don't know. I sure hope so, because... <clears throat> I, I, don't think, I don't think what you guys are saying is invalid. I'm just like, I'm coming at it from a fan who wants it to be good. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I really have to say about this interstitial in particular is that those distorted, like squelchy vocoder vocals reminded me so much of the Clockwork Orange soundtrack, like the the Ode Mm. to Joy version that they do on there. And like, Mm. I think that the interstitials do add something, even if it's just, you know, after fucking 15 minutes of Numa, I need a break kind of thing. And so it gives you a little bit of a breather between those longer fucking marathon tracks. Yeah. I had an interesting experience this time where like, because it was released and we got the leak that was just the CD that didn't have the interstitials Mm. in it. I had like an impression of the album without it. And then I have an impression now with Mm. them. And I'm not really sure which one sits better with me. Like, I kind of like the more direct, like, let's just get to the fucking album. Like, get to the record cuts like the actual mm-hmm. songs yeah. that you get with the cd but at the same time when i'm baked as fucking laying in bed i really like having the interstitials there to kind of like lull me <laughs> yeah. around and like set the stage for the next piece that i'm gonna like experience because when you're that baked it's not really listening it's <laughs> like you're just getting inundated with the whole thing so there's that I honestly, for some parts of the album, if they didn't have the interstitials, I wouldn't be able to tell the songs apart. And, there is that. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> there is that. I'm like, the, there was a, there's a point where like Numa Invincible and Descending, when I was first listening to the record, I was like, I'm not really sure where these tracks like end, end yeah. between them kind of thing. Because they're very long. And at that point, I was like, I don't really know which, which one's yeah. which. Um, I was taking them out and listening to them individually yeah. and being like, oh, this is Invincible and I really like Invincible. And oh, this is Descending. And I'm like, this is the fucking best song on the record. And like, you know, Calling Voices is a thing that happens that I really enjoy also. So yeah. like, I don't know. I, I had it's to weird. do that too, where I, I had to sit with an individual song to find the nuance in it, I guess, to find like what, mm-hmm. how it differed, not just lyrically, but like musically but between the two. And I got there with them. So like, I think now listening to the album is a little bit more of a richer experience. Cause like, I know what to look forward to in the songs, mm-hmm. but at the, so like, I just wish that there was more diversity. Yeah. Right. Fair enough. Because it's still a tool record. <laughs> still voice. Still- like it's you're still going to yeah. get a tool record, yeah. you know, like eventually you're asking for, you know, something that's not going to happen <laughs> you're asking for thing non-tool things on a tool record. record yeah either way um so let's talk about okay, invincible. <laughs> invincible because um i i like that they put the vocoder uh sound in there even if it lasts for like yeah. three seconds 30 yeah. seconds hey man yeah what are you gonna do <laughs> i think that these are the best lyrics on the album to be honest uh yeah, yeah. i agree uh, this and Calling Voices are the two that like really stand yeah. out to me lyrically. Yeah, and I'm I'm not a big guy for lyrics, but this one stuck out for me too. Like no. the sort of aging warrior, desperately trying to stay relevant after the war is over, kind of thing. I liked that uh, imagery was pretty yeah. cool. 
Yeah, this this was one I actually I actually really enjoyed too. Uh, I'm a sucker for that kalimba that they use in the intro. That's like yeah. I fucking love that instrument. It always sounds so good. This song does a really good job of letting you stay in the groove of those like seven and eleven beat time signatures. Still too fucking long, but <laughs> this is where I'll disagree with you. I feel like. Yes, maybe some of the other ones are too long. Invincible and Descending, yes, are long. <laughs> like that, the, for me, that last breakdown at like nine thirty is like just unnecessary. Mm. I, so this crunchy. is the point of the album mm. where I'm feeling like I feel like they were like, okay, guys, we only have like six actual songs, and people are going to kill us if we don't put out an album soon. So, like, what if we just stretched all the main tracks to like ten to sixteen minutes and just added some filler interstitials? Do you think anybody like really notice? And everybody's like, let's do it. Let's just go with it. Yeah. So we're like, all right, let's we need it. to add like it's three minutes idea. to every song. There is definitely a, a version of this the conversation where you're like, yeah, they put out an album that's got twelve tracks on it, and then four of them are valid yeah. songs. Like five of them are valid songs and then a couple of them are ideas that kind of failed and then there's a bunch of interstitials yeah because like yeah <laughs> I, I i'm with you on that too that's not my opinion but i can feel like where that's where you guys yeah. are coming from on that because it's like that non-vocal tool song ending just keeps coming back and it like it got longer on this one and i was like i don't like waiting for songs to end like i, I want to enjoy the song to the end and i just yeah. don't always do that when i have to hear the kind of the same like rumbling driving drums and the the same kind of guitar riff like yeah the time signature was a little bit different but it was still so complex that it's like it's almost the same as a four four to me because it's like what's the difference when it's like i can't quite make heads or tails of it or whatever yeah. so yeah I gotta get some stoner friends to listen to these fucking records, <laughs> yeah. man. That's what it is. That's what the problem is. I, need I literally, yes, I literally have in my notes that uh, where I fucking put it that when you move up here, we're gonna get super big. That <laughs> I'm putting this fucking record on for you again. It's what's gonna happen? Uh, yeah, that maybe because yeah. by then I'll have the vinyl. We're gonna listen to the vinyl. We're gonna get stoned and get listen. Yeah, to I literally record. have in here that like maybe having too much musical training and being sober is detrimental to appreciating tool music. Because like I did, I did find myself like getting hung up on like I can't figure out what the fuck is happening here musically, and it's distracting me. Like it's it was stopping me from being able to come become immersed in the music. So and it was only there was only a couple of tracks. Like it was shit like Numa uh, was one of them, and Tempest was another. Or fucking Seven Pist. We'll get to that too. Seven Pist. Yeah, Yeah, Seven Pist. Um. So yeah, I, I I just found myself. It was frustrating for me not to be able to sort of let myself go into the music and maybe if i was fucking wasted out of my mind or fucking high as high as shit that might have been easier to let go of and get past i don't know see like i've listened to it sober and i don't have any problem getting into the groove of this but like this i don't invincible i don't well like the drum groove overall like i don't have a problem with it but i'm so used to just danny playing at this point that like his groove is very natural to my listening Mm. also like he's got a weird like even danny playing four over four is still fucking weird. Like it, he never plays yeah. a straight four over four. Yeah. Cause like go listen to stink fist, which is a lot of think four of and stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah. And he adds like ghost notes and there's all kinds of weird flair to everything that he kind of does. But like, yeah, like it never really falls flat into four, four. And I think the only time it really does is like stink fist jambi kind of hits it in, in a couple spots, but like, yeah, it happens occasionally, but even then he never a hundred percent leans into it. I don't know. I have no idea which problem is Tim. Just, <laughs> I need to get you some weed, I guess. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. 
like no more two minute Weezer songs or something like that. We need to train you for longer endurance for music listening. <laughs> hey, <laughs> or something. Some like Weezer has songs that are shorter than the interstitials on this goddamn album. Yeah. I know. That's awesome. <laughs> Why I like Tool so much. Man. <laughs> Listen, my favorite album is East, which is five songs and yeah. they're all over 10 minutes, except for the last one. And I still get fucking impatient with these songs. That's what we should do. Yeah, that's what we should do with next week is make Tim listen to Yeast. I mean, we we forced him through Tool. Now oh, I listen to it. Hey, 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 hey. You guys, uh, horrific. <laughs> so, it hurt. Horrific. It hurt real bad. So now here's the question: Would you take this over that? I would take this over Yeast. I'll take that as a win for this week. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Tim. No fucking question. Thanks for throwing Mark a bone on that one, Tim, because he, need, yes. he needed something. Thank you. I yeah. do. I needed something. You guys are depressing yeah, me right now. Yeah, because we're going to go into the next hey, Just said, I like Invincible. It's a good fucking yeah, song. It's, it's just too yeah, long. it's too long. Legion Inoculant. I know we've been talking about it the entire time it's playing. So yeah. Yeah. Legion moving. Inoculant is the next interstitial track, and it doesn't do much. And Meh. like Again, it gives a break. It gives me a break in between two like harder songs yeah, so two, i'm okay with that long yeah. songs too yes and then but, yeah, yeah maybe if i was high it would do more for yeah. me again descending is the next song oh, yeah. and there's one yeah. part of descending that i really like where the guitars sound kind of 80s is it this one where you get kind of the or is that on tempest i think i wrote it down for but like the 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 tone of the guitar kind of changes into like the non-lateralis tool standard for a minute there and i'm like oh hi but it's like this is a 13 minute long song <laughs> 13 and a half yeah. damn near 14 13 37 yeah. i'm just looking at it on spotify right now it's playing right now it's so good guys it's so good <laughs> like i don't know what your problems are like you're just i hate this episode <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to do this I did, and, I, and you know what? I, this is like exactly what I expected to happen. I figured, I knew I was going to come in and be like, I ha- "I'm enjoying this record a lot," and like Tim's going to hate it because Tim's going to hate it, and Paul's going to be like in the middle where he I doesn't want to say anything it. super nasty about it, but he's like because he's related to you. <laughs> yeah, but he's also like dad. Like he's got this thing against dad rock things, and even though Tool's not. I mean, they they are now because like all of us They're forty more year olds like are... douche rock. Mm. Well, see, it's the... I don't know. Like, I don't this really... is white guy wearing their hat backwards. Rock. Mm, no, that's corn. This is just there's. Like... Oh, you're saying there's not a fucking significant overlap? There's a little bit of both. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. There's <laughs> there's a bunch of fucking rap rock fans that were thrilled that this album came out. You cannot deny that. There's that is very true. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. deny that. <laughs> See, I just come at it from the art side. Like I come at it from yeah. the art prog metal side. Which is so I, don't, I don't see those yeah. guys. Like I come at it from like the oh yeah, this is like weird time signatures, and like they listen to King Crimson growing up the way I listened to these guys growing up, and they influenced Mastodon and Pelican and Neurosis and like all the bands that I'm really into now. Even Def Heaven. Like Paul brought up Def Heaven. There wouldn't be a Def Heaven if there hadn't been a Tool. True. So like all true. Boom. But like you know what I mean? that doesn't excuse some of the choices on this album. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I'm listening to Descending right now. I'm waiting for you guys to tell me why I'm wrong about this being the best al- song on the I, album. That's I what I'm waiting for. I think that you're this... probably, but I think Invincible is better. To be honest, okay, that's yeah, fine. that's I prefer, valid. I, I prefer I, Invincible I, too. Honestly, this fucking track is where I start to lose interest. Like it, the this is this track is where the album starts getting samey. Like literally, my note is. It's it's just another long ass tool song about going crazy. Yeah, there's 
I, I that lyrical moment of genius, or not genius, but like good lyrical moment on Invincible turned into the kind of tool standard of like standard of yeah. like we are not our bodies and expanding your mind stuff that is you guys need to look at the lyrics again it's not about that it's definitely not about that it's about the world i'm burning. looking at it's the lyrics an, right now and i know but i know but you're, that doesn't sound like you're listening it, to the same song it, it's <laughs> like the kind of um nihilistic endlessness um to not be apathetic like there was this weird thing about um uh lateralis too where there was that dissonance between like these like long expansive songs that seem to go on forever into this endlessness and then the weirdly optimistic lyrics we talked about this on the other podcast and this is a like a call to arms song for sure like lyrically speaking like um, rouse all from our apathy lest we cease to be and stuff like that but it like just doesn't have um, the punch that Invincible has, and so I lose interest in it faster. Fair enough. Saab was seeing it as a companion piece to Anima. Like, Anima was like, learn to swim, we're gonna wash it away. This is like, we need to stop that from fucking happening. That's how I yeah. read this song. Also, the fucking breakdown, when they start like the uh, Sound the Dread Alarm to basically where Maynard leaves, best fucking bit of this album. Like, Ooh. it's so good. I'm listening to it now. It's fantastic. <laughs> so good. I'm yeah. just enjoying it. Well, you enjoy that, and we'll move on to the next song. How about that? Because uh, <laughs> we get Calling Voices next, which... A quieter song about going crazy. Yeah, but I weirdly... Because mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed like the quieter, almost... It was a nice break. Yeah, it was a nice break. This is another one where like if they'd cut the end of it, this would be my favorite yeah. song on the album, probably, because I really like this song, but the end goes on too long for me. This is the only time I'm going to say this, aside from Fear Inoculum, <laughs> but like... This is the one where I'm like, mm, the song or the album? To me. <laughs> no, the song. It's what we call the callback, boys. There it is. There it is. Tim earning that fucking non-existent check this week, I guess. But no, Calling Voices is like, after two like similar songs, like structurally similar songs, like I like the Calling Voices coming in and doing this different, like yeah. Maynard singing in that clean, a perfect circle style and like being very upfront. And then, like, it's a different kind of instrumental until it gets to that samey kind of instrumental yeah. at the end. That's where that song loses me, where I'm like, I ah, see if you hadn't done the tool thing at the end, this would be great. Yeah. But you did the tool thing at the end, <laughs> and we just did that five times, and I don't need yeah. this again. You should have done something yeah. different. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with Calling Voices. Fair. This is the point in the album where I thought, where I started thinking, like, okay, this album is structured pretty well overall. Cause, like, it has those interstitials to give you a break. And then this is not necessarily the midpoint, but it's like the, you know, the seventh inning stretch of the album, right? It gives you, like, one yeah. last, like, breather before you fucking head home. Yeah. Yep. The, the denouement of the album, as it were. And yeah. I, yeah, I really dig the, the first half of this song a lot. And I agree with yep. you fully that it, like, it just didn't need the tool ending. It just didn't need it. It was yep. like, it was such a good song at the beginning. I, I re- Like if it had just faded into Chocolate yeah. Chip Trip, I would be like, <laughs> I would, I probably enjoy Chocolate Chip Trip more yeah. than I do. Yeah, because Chocolate Trip Trip um, is annoying, but it's different <laughs> and I kind of like it. It's weird because I kind of like it, mm-hmm. but I don't, I hate it at the same time because it's really fucking annoying to listen to, but it's also like <laughs> different and weird. And I was like, this is kind of like, maybe some of these elements could have been brought into some other parts of other songs that would have lessened the monotony of the tool endings or something like that. You know, like the, I, there's something about this that at least feels like they were trying something. 
Well, it's all that electronic stuff, right? Like it's just it's basically just Danny. There's no I don't think anybody else is on that track. It's just Danny sequencing the stuff and then doing his yeah. drum solo. Yeah. And again, I think we talked about this before. He's been doing this so Invincible Descending and Chocolate Chip Trip, I didn't have a name before, but like they've all been being played for the last five-ish years live. So like I've heard Invincible and Descending a number of times uh, live and Chocolate Chip Trip, like the version of it that's on the album is very similar to what they do as kind of their encore break where like the rest of the band leaves and Danny just hangs out and like does stuff. And then I think the sound guy plays uh, Space Invader on the big screen nice. behind him. While he's doing this, it's fucking cool, and like a laser show happens yeah. and stuff. Tool shows are great, guys. <laughs> I should go. I've seen this. Point. I know. I <laughs> maybe not Tim. I, I don't know Tim at this yeah. point, but yeah the the first half of Chocolate Trip Trip is what happens when Mannheim Steamroller does acid. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's a good one <laughs> for me. I like that, and like it does. It feels like that starting more electronic part feels real, out of place on the album for me. It, Mm-hmm. This basically feels like filler on an album that doesn't fucking need any more filler. It is more seven four time, and I it uses seven four time well, and it stays in that time, and so I'm able to like stay in that groove pretty well. But yeah, it's pretty much an excuse for a four minute drum solo. And while it's technically impressive, this really kills the momentum of the album for me. Like after this, I have a hard time getting back on board. Yeah, I would have probably preferred a more traditional. Cool interstitial, I guess, than having that drum solo, especially right before, because Tempest is fucking long and kind of heavy, like it's consistently heavy throughout, yeah. that I don't need a drum solo right before it to lead me yeah. into it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it's not like the end of Lateralis where you've got like triad, like triad, ref- what is it? Triad disposition reflection kind yeah. of at the end of the album. Yeah. Where like, it's like a suite. It's more like, here's chocolate chip trip. And then we're going to pause and then tubular bells are going to start and we're into seven pissed <laughs> yeah and that's seven pissed seven pissed seven, seven seven Fuck. i'm not sure exactly how you would say it but i'm just saying i called it tempest i don't know why he did that they had a seven thing going i, I guess. guess sure mm-hmm. sure why not yeah. i mean why not sure um i agree with you i think that um like chocolate trip trip could have been moved at the end of the album or a little bit higher and it would have been a better sequencing possibly but like mm-hmm. yeah like once we get to Tempest, it's like, yeah, I'm also kind of checked out at that point because I feel like it's so, uh, it was, it, Chocolate Trip Trip is so weird. And then it so abruptly switches back to what the rest of the album is. But I've already listened to so much of this that I'm like, yeah, oh, this feels like a. If you're going to shift gears, fucking stay in that gear. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And then so it kind of ends on a kind of man note for me because like it's, it's Tempest, I think, is would be a good song sequenced in a different part of the album or something. I don't know how that would work considering how this album is structured, but like I it felt like a chore to get through Tempest by hmm. the end of it. Interesting. I would have thought you would have enjoyed it more because it, it harkens back. Like it's more like sonically aggressive in the same way that like Undertow and Anima are. It, I thought you would have enjoyed it more than the other I, stuff. If, again, if this moved somewhere else on the album, I probably would have liked this album a lot. I think this song a lot more. I was I've been thinking about this album in that I think Tempest and Fear Inoculum need to be switched. Like I think Tempest would be a better opening track, which sounds fucking weird because it's 15 minutes long. I understand. <laughs> but it's a tool album. They can do that. That's fine. And like the grudge is 10 minutes long. You know what I mean? Like you could totally do that. And that's their best opener so far. Like they still have not topped the grudge. Oh, I mean Stink Fist. Fuck, I guess I can't. <laughs> Rough. Anyway, I think Tempest would probably work better for me as an opener. I like Tempest a lot because it is like it's like the lateralis length. 
with uh, undertow and anima aggression, along with some like 10,000 days weird guitar trickery to it. Because that's when I feel like 10,000 days was when Danny or Adam really started fucking around with like doing vocoder effects and adding different kind of electronic layers to his guitar playing. And I think that's what kind of gets me through Tempest is like, this is Adam just fucking wanking real hard like this is an adam yeah. track and i'm kind of there for it for that reason this i get why you guys this is the most masturbatory it. track on the album for me by yeah. far like oh, yeah. i have i find a lot of this album pretty masturbatory and, and masturbatory and fucking self-indulgent but this in particular my rant I, is that I always find it a bit masturbatory and like self-congratulatory when artists draw attention to the fact that they're using an odd time signature in the title. Look how fucking clever we are. We put a seven in front of a T. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's another one that, just, like Numa, just jumps around so much that I find it distracting. I It does just drop into like straight 4-4 four, four time and... I'm good with it when it's there, but I can't get into the groove when it's fucking around rhythmically. It gets into fucking like 21, eight time. It's like uh, three groups of seven is what it comes down to. And those sections are just so fucking wanky. And I honestly, again, I don't feel like they're really well executed because they're almost impossible to follow. And it also fucking way too long. There's one part of the song I really do like though. And it's around the eight minute mark um, where like the, the guitar sounds like, was it like kind of Norse metal e like it's, where it's it like actually, double? Yeah, it actually feels like they took inspiration from a non-tool source to like change up their sound a little bit. And I was like, oh, really? The chugging doesn't just like scream or sugar at you. Like, there's a lot of chugging on this record. It was present in the last one, I'll admit, but like they've integrated that chugging. That chugging wasn't present in a lot of rocks. Yeah, I, you know what I mean. Like the chugging that is very pre- omnipresent in Ten Thousand, and now this yeah. one. Um, that's a Meshuggah thing that they've lumped in. Some of the speed changes are very deaf heavy to me. Like that's what I hear, especially on Tempest. But... And then there's some guitar stuff where I'm like, man, he's been listening to a lot of Mastodon. Now I understand that these are all inside the same genre and aren't, <laughs> you know, crazy like whatever. But my question to you at that point is, what? the fuck does weezer do that is so, I'm just not <laughs> um, it's so goddamn fantastic after 48 albums that are all 20 minutes long and have the same nothing dog shit since the second one so there I'm you go pretty happy yeah. to agree with that <laughs> yeah i've had a few good songs since then but they're few and far between right you don't catch so, me defending yeah, exactly. la- latter day uh, weezer albums <laughs> yeah 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 so but uh, like we we have that moment and i'm like i I'll, i will embrace that moment where it's like those guitars sound like almost triumphant and joyful and i'm like and mm-hmm. right before it gets back into creepy chuggy tool stuff uh and i'm like okay i can give this song props for at least trying something new and different and i'll take it and <laughs> there we go that's my my tempest story and i'm sticking to it <laughs> yeah. So what's left? Oh, Mocking Mocking beat. Beat. <laughs> <laughs> well, why? What the fuck? Why? Yeah. Totally. Totally unnecessary. Just fucking with you. Like just fucking with you mm-hmm. at that point. That's yeah. just tool. Literally yeah, the word mocking things. is in the, the title. It is. They are outright oh, yeah. mocking. Exactly. People who are still listening yeah. to this album. And... It's kind of interesting sonically, but like has no place where it yeah. is. It makes an awkward loop when you're listening to the album, just kind of repeating. Because all of a sudden you get birds and then fear. Somehow I don't think that's going to be a problem like, for oh, either of us. Mining, <laughs> grindy. Yeah. Yeah. No, probably not. But <laughs> yeah. 
That's okay. Go listen to your Lana Del Rey album. It sounds exactly the same it as the last one. It does not. That's cool that too. is so. It totally does, man. It so totally does. Like at the start, Mark was like, yeah, that Lana Del Rey album's pretty good. Now he's been shitting on his <laughs> album yeah. for like 45 minutes, and he's like, that piece of fucking garbage <laughs> yeah. is dug this I actually, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> You just did dumb dumb voice over top of the tool record. So at this point we're like all fucking bets are off. Your shitty Weezer's under fucking fire. And a lot of the Del Rey album, man, Paul, he's, she's done the same fucking record five years in a row. She's just gotten better at it. And I appreciate that she's gotten better at it, but it's the same fucking record every time, man. Born to die better every time. <laughs> Guys, I don't want this album to cause a schism in the podcast. Uh... All right, podcast is over. We're done. It's over. <laughs> Go to Geek Cred. I'm done. <laughs> so, but then we'd lose out on our last chance to rip on this album, Mark, because we have to do final thoughts, of course. No, okay. <sighs> okay. No, that's fine. We can do okay. final thoughts. I'm yeah. having a good time. I got, I got, this is fun. This is, and I just want to reiterate that this is exactly what I expected this to be. <laughs> so I'm having a blast listening to YouTube be completely wrong. And that's fine. Because I was apparently completely wrong about. That stupid tentacle game, right? That was yep. the one? Yep. And Daft yep. Punk. I'm wrong about that. And then, like, I didn't like the Daft Punk album. <sighs> Did I well, that was like that Daft Punk And that's record? my final thoughts. Like, this album, for me, is what Random Access Memories was to you. You know, mm-hmm. whereas you're looking at this album through the rose-colored glasses of a Tool fan who's been anticipating this album for 13 years, I'm looking at it more from a more objective standpoint. Uh, you know, and, and as somebody that is not really engrossed in this genre. So... I like I've got there's a lot of stuff I like about this album. It has that trademark lush, like layered grungy tool sound with some unusual instrumentation layered in. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. I came away from this album thinking that this is an this is music that I would rather play probably than listen to. Like it comes off for me a lot of the time, I said, as as pretty masturbatory, pretty self-indulgent. I can appreciate that these guys are fucking technically proficient musicians and songwriters and that they work really well together and that it's pretty well produced, but it just doesn't, the music itself doesn't resonate very much with me personally. Like this doesn't speak to me in the way that Radiohead does, that Weezer does, that Daft Punk does, that Beatles or the Beach Boys do. And that's where i sort of end up with it so if i'm like given this a rating out of 10 it's probably like a 7 out of 10 with the caveat that i don't listen to this genre very much and i didn't listen to it wasted yeah <laughs> i listened to it sober we should have put that as a caveat that you had to listen to it fucking blazed at some point yeah we'll do a revisit at some point be like i'm putting it on he smoked this real quick <laughs> here we'll eat these that. yeah eat these yeah <laughs> and we'll wait an hour then i'm gonna put the tool record on and see how you react yeah. <laughs> that's cool uh paul do you want to close uh, it out? well we want to hear your final thoughts mark because we haven't i this, you know my final thoughts i like this album if i was going to review it i just like I'll read to you what I wrote as my final thoughts, because that's probably <laughs> where we're at. So if I'm ranking these records, this album kind of exists in the space between the spaces between, I guess, basically. Right. So like Lateralis and Anima are like 10 out of 10 records for me, both of them. And they kind of fall in that one and then one a ranking, yeah. right. Where you've got like Lateralis is one and then Anima is one a, and then two would be fear inoculum. And then under it would be 10,000 days and undertow kind of in the same. Yeah space tier yeah okay. tier so like it's like in a new tier a new tier for tool for me where it's like i like undertow and i will put the point out that i don't think tool has a bad album like if you're a tool fan they don't really have a bad record. i don't hate this album yeah. i definitely don't that's hate fine this I, album. I appreciate that i'm just having fun at this point because yeah. like fuck weezer and you know 
the Lana Del Rey thing. That's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, if you're a Tool fan, this is like you've been waiting 13 years for this. You've already listened to it. You don't care what we think. This is just a fun excuse for me to force Tim to listen to it because I knew he'd <laughs> yeah. hate it. Well, not hate it, but like I knew he'd be like, this is not my fucking thing. And I'm like, yes. Now, you know, I felt having to listen to that punk <laughs> for a week. But yeah, like I'm all here for this. Like, so you're getting like that's and again why I wanted to do this. We're getting that cool like three person, yeah, different thing points where like view. Tim's not super yeah. into it. I'm fucking clearly just 100 percent on board, and Paul's kind of somewhere waffling in the middle, probably leaning more towards Tim's side because <laughs> he just hates old man rock for some reason. <laughs> Even though he is an old man uh-huh. now, like you're in your 30s, yeah. buddy. You gotta start aging. No, I refuse. Anyway, I refuse. I think we Sorry. all had elements of it that we appreciated yeah. just to varying degrees yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So Tim just wants the podcast to not get the pulled on it this week. Yeah. Rob just like, you know what? Fuck you guys, I'm done. We're not yeah. doing this. Anymore. I don't want it to be ten thousand days before we record another episode. <laughs> oh, all right. All right, dad jokes. We're out. <laughs> Well, Mark, I agree with you in terms of the Tool album rankings, though. Like, I would put this, like, same as you. I have, like, my S-Class 1A thing, which is Lateralis and Anima, for sure. And then this definitely sits beneath them and above 10,000 Days and Undertow, for sure. 100%. Same ranking. I would just maybe put this a little bit lower on, like, a numerical scale in terms of, like, if you gave it like a nine out of 10 compared to, and then yeah. I would make, give it an eight. Cause there's, there's so okay, many things fair. I like about this album. And like, for me, I, I can see the potential of where tool could still head. If they decide to just like, let some other elements and influences into like this very airtight space that they seem to create it. Yeah, let some let some stuff die and let some other stuff live. (laughs) I feel like their their songwriting (laughs) is still so tight, and their talent and workmanlike quality actually kind of works against them in terms of creativity, maybe to an extent. Yeah, they get in their own way. Yeah, and so like, but I because of those interstitial tracks, I was like, oh, I see the potential here. Did Did I like the interstitial tracks? Not really, but like, I was like, oh, but these are things that could grow into what Tool becomes, and maybe we could have another s-class album again out of like the stuff that they're doing and like yeah yeah so i'm like i i don't hate this album again like there's no hate here there's just like disappointment like a little bit of like uh like a little bit of yeah a little bit of frustration with it more would have been a lot better in 2008 exactly like i and to have imagined where tool could be if they had three albums of growth since then or two albums of growth since then yeah i think that's the big takeaway that i have about this too is like man where would they be if this all this legal bullshit and they hadn't gotten in their own way with this record like where would we be at with these guys if they had allowed them like they'd been able to keep working as a band as opposed to all this craziness yeah, fucking I, man keeping us down yeah it kind of yeah. was i think that this out. is the the album that the tool army wanted at least and so like the fan base seems happy and i'm happy for the fan yeah. base in general i someone who's part of it even if i distance myself from the come on man you've gone to I've see you've gone to see them like three yeah. or four times so like you're a fucking I fan am. you know what Absolutely. i mean like i know you want to hem and haw but like you're a fucking fan you've seen them a bunch of times like you own the records on vinyl and stuff i'm pretty sure still put anima and lateralis on back to back regularly oh yeah like regularly <laughs> yeah. So. the one thing I, I do want to point out and i know you guys are gonna get on my like get on my ass about this is like i'd want to bring up the taylor swift lana del rey like the the billboard placement of this record i just thought it was very interesting and not in a trashing those two guys kind of way but like the fact that tool 
these 50 year old dudes with these weird fucking songs came back and were able to knock the marketing machine of Taylor Swift <laughs> and Lana Del Rey for such a loop for like a week just kind of made me like, huh, that's, that's cool to yeah. me at the very least, like in a very punk rock I'm way down with that. or like these weird old dudes made this fucking 89 minute fucking ridiculous rock opus and put it out. And the marketing machine of Taylor Swift didn't know how to fucking maneuver around a bunch of late 30 year old dudes going out and buying yeah. a CD. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just couldn't, it couldn't handle the tool army reawakening for a week. For a week yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah. It was just very interesting to me. Yeah, that week. It, yeah. Uh, Especially a bunch of 16 year olds being on Twitter, being like, who the fuck is tool? And why are they in the way of Tay Tay's number one being or being number one two weeks in a row? And I was like, oh man, you guys are gonna have fun on Wikipedia today. Like, yeah, go look it up. I don't even want to tell them. <laughs> Just go on YouTube and and they punch were getting tool weirded in. out by like the Spotify charts and the Apple Music charts. Like everything was kind of like yes. Hey man, when you see Hooker with a penis suddenly show up in a chart, like yeah, what the right, fuck does that tell right. you about the world? So, <laughs> we're stink fist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, I, I actually appreciate that too. It's just like this, like I've, I've likened tool to like the Leviathan before, like a, a sea beast that rises releases. Its, yeah. That's like, kind of what bloom, I was thinking about. You know, it, they release their madness yeah. into the world and they sink back down for 10,000 years, days, whatever. Um, but like, <laughs> Oh, fuck it felt yeah. like it at this point. So, so. Um, I I I like that for them, and like they're just going to be one of those dad rock touring bands from now on, possibly. And yeah, Follow and me. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like that you'll come see them with me when you get home. 100%. I know you. Hundred percent. I will still mm-hmm. go see them unless those Maynard rape allegations turn out to be true, in which case. Yeah, but I was wondering how long it was going to take for you to bring that up. There I waited is. till the end of the beat of the episode, so there you I go. Appreciate it. Um, I appreciate it. Let's go to our geek cred, which is our stingless segment where we make a general recommendation for something this week. So, Tim, why don't you start us off with your geek cred this week? Uh, the world being on fire right now, I've been needing some comedy to go back and look at. So, uh, I have been going back and watch rewatching Arrested Development on netflix so i'm going to geek cred nice. arrested development because i'm most of the way through that first season and damned if that's not one of the best like fucking funniest seasons of tv that has ever been made so yeah the original fox seasons of arrested development are fucking mind-blowing yeah. funny like is it the first three years or just so yeah. fucking well on young yeah i love those <laughs> yeah on I think Paul Paul loves posting this the the I don't care for Job meme. It's so good. I, <laughs> he does she does it fucking every time my mom and I are having even like the, the mildest like little bit of shade between us on Facebook, Paul like immediately posts that. I'm always I like, I know you're the Job. favorite. You have to point it out every time. Lucille Bluth is the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, which, it really um, is. She, Jessica so Jessica Walters truly is the best thing on both Archer and Arrested Development, and I'll mm. go to the Madden on that one every single time yeah um agreed but uh yeah i don't care for job is still <laughs> one of my favorite things <laughs> or, i love all my children equally i, I don't, don't care, care i don't care for job. <laughs> or and i also like i should just set myself on fire <laughs> but you know because i, oh, I, I being a flamboyant gay i just i enjoy it yeah. it's fine. jessica walters is like your spirit animal she almost. truly it's is crazy. i love her yeah. um because yeah. she's like funny and mean and fabulous an alcoholic yeah like she's so oh, yeah. many she's things fucking nobody nobody gives drunk. a bad fucking performance on that show like fuck 
Like it's Michael Sarah's amazing, fucking Jason Bateman's amazing, and yeah, everybody. Shawkat, everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Portia, Ro- oh, Portia Rossi, everybody's fucking Portia so Rossi good. Portia Rossi is so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she's so good. Fucking Tobias. Yeah. Fucking, fucking uh, David, David Cross, Cross yeah. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Great. All right. So, Mark, what's your geek cred this week? Far From Home's out on home video. Go fucking watch Spider Man, kids. That's all I'm going to say. Because that movie was like, and who knows if we're getting any more of it. We don't know if we're ever going to get another one. Yeah, exactly. So, like, go enjoy the Tom Holland, the last Tom Holland, possibly. God, I hope it's not, but like, possibly the last Tom Holland Spider Man movie. So, <sighs> I guess it was too sad, good. but it's too good for this world, I guess. But that's fine. <laughs> it really was. I mean, Far From Home, now that I've watched it a couple more times at home, I'm like, man, that was, they really fucking knocked that one out of the That park. was a that fun was movie. Really it's just a fun it was ass a good movie. Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, for sure. Whew, fuck fuck you sony yeah <laughs> uh, one more fuck use sony a couple more of those yeah my geek cred this week so um i was recommended a book by uh my boyfriend who recommended me i guess boyfriend we haven't had that talk yet whatever oh, <laughs> anyway we get it you're in love but anyway i went when he recommended the goldfinch to me which is now a ma- major oh, yeah. motion picture that is getting terrible mm. reviews <laughs> Yeah, it's getting shredded. It's getting shredded. Uh, starring fucking Ansel, Ansel Elgort. Elgort. Yeah. Ansel, ba- ba- what, baby Driver. Yeah, Baby Driver. Yeah. Um, and the book is so good, guys. Like, I have just recently finished it. It is 800 pages long. Like, so oh. it is quite an investment. But it's the story about this kid who is in a bomb blast in a museum. The blast kills his mother, but he survives. And he steals... Accident, kind of accidentally on purpose, takes a painting with him from the museum called the Goldfinch, and it's a story about his life growing up and becoming the like art dealer thief that he becomes. It's really good. It's a really good book. Prose is gorgeous. Like it doesn't feel as long as it actually is. Like I enjoyed all eight hundred forty something pages of it, but it is an investment. I'm almost worried to see the film. Like I have to see the film now that it's gotten such terrible reviews. <laughs> um, uh, especially since I have like this this hate rage against that Ansel. What's his name? <laughs> El Gord. Just hate hate. Elgort, Ansel Elgort. Ever since The Fault in Our Stars, I just find him like to be a charisma black hole. <laughs> but I like hate watch his movies a lot. Anyway, yeah. So read the Goldfinch novel if you are into like literary fiction and you don't mind a long read. Like take your time with it. It's worth it. It's really beautiful. And maybe skip the movie and because uh, it look it does look like Oscar Beatty stuff. But I'm kind of into that stuff too. So I saw the trailer for it on. Something it was on is summer. What I think it was on. Maybe, well, maybe was it I on it? I don't remember. I don't know. I didn't. I haven't seen it yet, so I, it's not. It wasn't it? It was something that we definitely reviewed. Maybe Spider Man. Yeah, maybe Dark Phoenix. It might have been yeah. Spider Man or Dark Phoenix. So one of those that came out like kind of midsummer. Yeah, it wasn't Endgame. It was something later. But yeah, I saw the trailer and was just like, "What the fuck yeah. is this movie even about?" Like, it doesn't. And even... Why is this shit attached yeah. to a comic book movie? Yeah, and like, why? Yeah, it was like it was either that or like Hobbs Oof. and Shaw. So like, either way, it was like not a movie it should have been in front of. And I was like, "What the fuck is this? Why am I watching this trailer?" Right. I mean, but it's got such a good cast, like Nicole Kidman, it does. In it, Jeffrey Wright, Sarah Paulson. Like that cast yeah. is so good. Besides. El Gord. but like, it- See, like I don't know, man. I I saw Baby Driver. Like the only thing I've seen him in is Baby Driver, and like that movie held together more on John Hamm than it did on him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that movie was predicated on the other actors that were in it with yeah. him, not him. Yeah. Like I know everybody liked him in that, but like I, that movie I, was all who's in that with him? It was John Hamm and who was the the main guy? 
Like his I contact in that. Doesn't matter. Either way, yeah, I don't know. I watched it on a plane. I think I watched it on the plane back to Canada back when. Yeah, that must yeah, have been. That's around the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's around the time when I saw it too. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, either way, like I, I didn't mind him in that, but like I don't know, you had a hate <laughs> thing going on all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. I strongly dislike his body of work so far. Um, there's just something smug about him, and I don't think he's particularly like talented. But maybe that's just me. Anyway, anyway, read the Goldfinch novel by Donna Tart. It's that's with two T's at the end. It's very good. Okay. And uh, with that, let's uh, let's end our episode. Thanks everyone for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe, which you can do via whichever podcatching app you prefer. Uh, we ha- we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Um, if you enjoy our podcast, please give us a five star rating because uh, we would appreciate it. And yeah, we have a new episode out every week. So look forward to our next episode, which we will decide on pretty <laughs> soon, I'm sure. And if you guys want to talk to us about the Tool album or anything else that we've talked about on the podcast today, uh, check us out on facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast, where we're most active. You can check us out on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast or email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. So say good night, Mark. Good night, everybody. Say good night, Tim. Good night, everybody. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> 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 and I've been Paul and I won't <laughs> yeah I love the record I don't care <laughs> and have a good time doing your life Noom. the end <laughs> Noom. that was <laughs> enthusiastic okay bye <laughs>